Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Morning, St. Louis, and welcome into the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, and Randy Carricker is out. Michelle Smallman is in, and Michelle, last night, there were also a lot of pucks into the net <laughs> for the LA Kings. There was another loss by the Blues, 5-1, to one, um, fifth loss in a row, and Michelle... Uh, you tell me your thoughts. It was it was a tough loss last night again, another one. What are your thoughts on what's going on right now? Well, Carrie, I know it was Halloween, but I didn't think the Blues would play so, so scary. I didn't think they were going to take Halloween so literally. But I don't really know what's going on with the team right now, but they are in a bad place. I know it's early in the season, and I'm trying not to overreact. The the keys to the panic bus are still firmly on the console and the entryway. But losing five in a row, getting outscored in the manner in which they have 25-8 to eight during this losing streak, not working hard enough, not having that desperation, not having the sharpness, making mistakes, it looks like a completely different Blues team than we saw at the end of last season and, and frankly, to open the season. I don't really know what has shifted with this team, but uh, I'm sure they're going to try to work it out in practice and they need to figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah, 25-8 to eight is a lot of goals uh, again and not a lot of goals for they are they are struggling mightily. Uh, let's see what Craig Berube saw last night in, in last night's game. Seemed pretty lifeless. Well, that's a good term. Uh, got outworked and outskated. Not hungry enough. Not desperate enough. He said the, the the reporter said you seem pretty lifeless, and he said that's a pretty good uh, explanation of what we saw. That that to me, you know, Michelle, I, I hear people always say, "Oh, it's early, it's early." It does not matter. There are there are multiple teams. <laughs> every team in the league, it's early for, and mm-hmm. every team in the league has not been getting beat in the manner that the Blues have uh, these last five games. So early doesn't mean much to me. You have to perform and you have to play well. And right now, the Blues are not doing that, and it is frustrating to watch. You you look up and it's it's one to zero at the end of uh, the first period. You go into intermission, and then before you know it, it's five to to nothing, and you're trying to figure out what the hell just happened. I don't have an answer for it, Michelle. I don't know what's going on. It, it, it is frustrating to watch, though. It certainly is. I hated almost every minute of watching that game last night. Second period, as you mentioned, four goals in six minutes and 15 seconds. It was just absolutely brutal to watch. And you could sense, well, you saw you saw it uh, on the bench last night, but especially in the post game, you could just sense how angry Craig Berube is and how frustrated he is. And I'm sure that the coaching staff is. And 
again, Carrie, I'm trying not to overreact because we've seen this with Blues teams in the past. We, we saw it in 2019, the year that the Blues won the Cup, where they couldn't find their identity. And every night they were going to the podium after frustrating losses and they were saying, we don't know what the issue is and we're trying to figure it out. And then something clicked with, with the team and the talent and the chemistry and they were able to find that mojo. So I, I'm trying not to panic and not to overreact. What are we, eight games into the season? I'm, I'm just trying to... It's to, tough. <laughs> it is tough. I'm, I'm just trying to take a love approach to this, which is very tough to do after you watch a game like that. But, Carrie, you are a professional athlete. You've played on championship teams. You've played on teams who, that aren't that good. Mm-hmm. When there is a lack of effort like this, as Craig Bruby described last night, and there is a lack of desperation, how does a team try to capture that again? It is. It is. You know, one of the things I say all the time is winning is contagious and so is losing. When you are a team that knows you have a chance to win every game, the 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 ball seems to bounce in your direction. The puck seems to find your stick. You know, the the the, the amount of opportunities you get, the ball finds you when you are a team that knows how to win. Things just happen for you. And it's the same thing vice versa when you are a losing team. Things just happen for you. It does not work out in your in your advantage. And it, it, it becomes kind of a mindset where you feel like, oh, here we go again. And when you have that here we go again mindset, it's all downhill from there. It's nothing it, nothing good is going to come from that. It's going to you're going to struggle. You're going to have tough games. You're going to have tough seasons. And somehow, some way, the blues have to find a way to get out of this rut and figure out a way to stop pucks from going into their net and getting the puck going into the opposing team net uh, and more often than, than not. And it's right now, it, it, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. It is. And yesterday we spoke about the frustrating loss on Saturday, and both of us said the Blues need to come out firing tonight. They cannot yeah. They cannot get behind early. They need to come out with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, someone needs to, to spark the team in some way. And a loss like we saw last night would be disappointing Anyway, at mm-hmm. any point in the season, you should you you never want to have a performance or an effort like that. But I think especially after what happened on Saturday, and especially because you're on home ice, that you would come out and allow what was able to happen last night to happen. It's just been really disappointing to watch the Blues these past five games. We want to get your thoughts. Get your mic drop into the 101 ESPN app or get your text into the Air Comfort Sec service text line at 65780. Uh, Craig Berube had some thoughts on the players not buying in as well. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of guys. I mean, I see our team in general. I'm not going to point to certain individuals, the team. And right now, um, that includes everybody. You know, Michelle, I saw, we, we talked about it, there were there were texts for uh, Craig Berube saying he's not the, the, the leader that they need. They need to find someone else. <laughs> it, for me, that's too early. Um, but at, at, at some point, the players are the ones on the ice. They're the ones that go out there night in and night out. They have to do their job. They're professional players. They're professional hockey players. They have to do their job, and they have to do it better than the opposing team is doing it right now. And if you have guys who are not buying in, who are, if you have a team that, as, as he said, lifeless, if you have a team that is doing you know, all of the things the opposite of what, you're be, of what they're being coached to do, you're going to have some long nights like this, and it's on the veteran leadership to figure mm-hmm. out how we get out of this rut. It is on them solely on them and they have to figure it out they have to be the ones to bring these younger guys along and say this is how we do it and until that starts happening you're going to see some some rough nights going forward yeah i can't believe that people are ready to fire craig Bruby. i care i know we're reactionary oh and yeah i know that these past five games have been 
absolutely awful to watch, especially these last two. But to think that Craig Berube is is the problem, and, and I, I just can't understand it. I mean, this is the guy who brought you a Stanley Cup championship. And how many times are we going to do this? How many times in, in recent Blues history are, are we going to have a core that's not performing or an energy that's not being met, and we're going to blame the coach? At what point are we going to look at the players and say, this is on you? You're getting paid to, to do your job. And, I mean, Craig Berube was doing everything he could. He's trying to mix up the line combination, make some changes, shake things loose and uh, to no avail. And I, I just think about how many times we've gotten a glimpse behind the scenes of Craig Berube in the dressing room and the way that he fires up the team. Think about how many times we've seen him change up the line combinations and be able to find a pressure point that's uh, something that sparks the blues. I don't necessarily think that Chief is the problem. And Carrie, I know that there have been some personnel changes and that this is the beginning of, of a season and, and team's always trying to find its chemistry and its identity. But there are still so many pieces from last season, which is why I don't understand why there's no buy-in. What what would be the reason for the lack of buy-in? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know why. It. I don't know why they are you know, why it's taking so long for it to take hold, you know, earlier. Oh, if we just started the season. We're behind. Other teams have had more games than us. They started out the season 3-0, and even though they had less games than, than most of the teams that, that they had played at that point. Right now, they are they – are, it, it's just not enough. For me, personally, it's not enough physicality. You don't have anybody that, that is willing to or wants to be physical to the opposing team. So now – the opposing team is playing a more physical style against you, and that never bodes well for for your success rate when you have when you're being out physical because that to me is a mindset more than it is you know a talent thing. If you have someone bullying you mm-hmm. and you're not willing to fight back, either you know figuratively, figuratively or literally fight back, you're going to have a tough time winning games. And I feel like they're getting bullied, they're getting beat to the puck, they're turning the puck over, they're not having a lot of success right now. And that starts with the men on the ice. It starts with the guys on the ice that go out there night in and night out, that have won the championship, that know what it takes to be a championship caliber team. Those are the guys that have to step up and start making the plays in order for their team to be successful. And what's been the calling card of of Craig Berube teams? Physicality, toughness, wave after wave. The Blues, when they're playing Craig Berube Blues style of hockey and they're having success, they're an unrelenting team. They will pound you into submission, and we're not seeing that at all. And and Carrie, too, coming into this season, I ha- I think, I mean, this is – most people had questions about the goaltending. Jordan yeah. Bennington last year certainly had his challenges, but he was able to find himself in the playoffs, bringing in Thomas Grice. And I'm looking at the two of them, and they have no shot half the time if if no one in front of them is going to give them any protection. And I'm wondering, after some games like this where they're dealing with what they're dealing with, how that impacts the goaltending. How does that impact them from a mental standpoint when when they're under siege all the time? It, there's just a lot of things that need to be cleaned up. One thing I need to see, I, one thing I would love to see is is just somebody snap a stick against the goal. Like just just show <laughs> a certain level of frustration. Like Bennington just to just give one up and just snap it and say like I'm really bothered by what's going on. And for me, that that may strike a, a light of match under some guys and, and get them going uh, in the right direction. I, I don't know. Baruby has talked about uh, the struggles, and, and we'll, <laughs> Baruby, we've talked about the struggles, and so has Baruby on, on what the Blues are struggling with right now. We're not direct. 
And if you're not direct and you're not predictable and you're not hungry and you're not desperate out there, you're not. if you don't want to dig in and play hard, you're going to get beat. I don't care what team you're playing. You'll get beat. And that's got to change. Michelle, those are that, that's not that's not anything to do with your talent level. Those are, are competitive things inside of you. Your will to to grit something out, to fight for something, to go harder than the next man. That has nothing to do with how good you how well you skate on, how well you're able to skate, how well you're able to handle the puck. That's how well you are willing to fight for the ability to make a play. And right now, they don't seem to have that grit, that toughness, that will to to get it done every single play, you know, for, for 60 minutes. And that, to me, is the most frustrating part. And I don't know how you summon that because a lot of the guys on, on this team have been around and, and they understand what's required of them and they understand what it takes to win. And the fact that you're not seeing that grit and that intensity or – I think one thing too, Carrie, watching a game like this and, and watching the team perform the way they are, the fan. I mean, we we heard it from the fans last night. They are clearly not pleased with the product that they're seeing right now, and they have every every right to do that. As Craig Berube said post game, that sports. But when you're watching it and you're seeing a lack of intensity and a lack of effort, it you're just wondering what what is going to cause that to change what is going to spark it i mean sure we can have something like Braden shen drop the gloves and and try to be direct in that way but but is that (laughs) is that really what's needed for you to get up and get frustrated watching it you're like i'm so frustrated how are you not showing me that you're as frustrated where i think people want the players to be a little bit more demonstrative and and their frustration with what's happening too. Yeah, they, they are they are frustrated and, and I think some of the frustration you saw Robert Bertuzzo slash mm-hmm. uh Grun, Grunstrom late in the third period. That is frustration but not in the right direction. Like the frustration is not taking taking it out on some the back of someone else's legs. It's going to hit someone in the mouth because you're frustrated they got the puck in the corner and you want them to know that we are not going to continue to get bullied. And right now that's what they are. They're getting bullied by the opposing team and it's not looking well for the for the blues at this moment that's michelle i'm carrie coming up four downs from nfl week eight that's next on 101 espn you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers welcome back to the opening drive and it is time for four downs first down Well, Carrie, since I have the first down here and since I haven't done this in a while, I'm going to use this opportunity to my advantage to talk about our Miami Dolphins. Hey, hey. We're going to let it breathe for a second. Let's go. Miami and the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground. We're always in control. And when you say Miami, Super Bowl with the Miami Dolphins. Okay, I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, but the Dolphins are sitting there at five and three. They're second in the AFC East, and they are coming off a really impressive 31 to 27 victory over the Detroit Lions on Sunday, where they rallied from a double digit second half deficit to secure the win. And we've got to talk about my boy Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback. How impressive has Tua been since he's returned? 29 of 36 passes, 382 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions on the day. 
today. And he posted the best passing efficiency rating of his career, 138.7, and the second highest yardage total of his NFL career. And heading into the season, Carrie, the question surrounding Tua was, has time run out? If if Miami puts enough, enough weapons around Tua, will he be able to have success? Well, he's certainly got the arsenal, and he's taking advantage of it. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have been outstanding. Tyreek Hill had 12 receptions for 188 yards. Jalen Waddle, eight catches for 106 yards, two touchdowns. The two of them combined, Hill and Waddle, have 1,688 yards receiving. It sets a Super Bowl era record for two teammates through the first eight games of the season. And since Tua has come back from that concussion that he was dealing with, they've won two straight, and they are 5 and oh, when Tua plays this season, Carrie. I- I'm telling you what, I am very impressed with him this so far this season and very impressed with the Dolphins. Yeah, and, and the fact that they went out and got Tyreek Hill was was one of the main components. They had Waddle last year, but going out and getting a stud receiver for a quarterback that for most part for the most part, they were they were there were talks that he may not be your quarterback of the future. Right. And you go out and get a number one receiver, you have a one A, one B with Waddle, him and Waddle, and you are seeing what Tua Tungavaloa can do with receiver help, which most quarterbacks, they need that number one guy. They got him, and they are playing spectacular. The The concussion issues hopefully are out of the way for Tua, and, and he can go forward and continue to play well. But it is it is it has been fun watching them play football because you expect them to win now. They had a great defense last year. They had a great DBs, great linebacker play. They did a great job on the defensive side. They just needed that elite pass receiver, and they went out and got him. And now you can't double cover either one of those guys. You also got Mike Gusecki out of the out of the uh, from the tight end spot Raheem Mostert out of the backfield they are a team that has a lot of weapons and a lot of people are going to have trouble trying to stop them they are dangerous Carrie they are second down Michelle I, I I don't know if you saw this but the Las Vegas Raiders are are pretty terrible they <laughs> I mean absolutely terrible they stink they the, it is and it for me we talked about the AFC West being probably the best and deepest division of them all going into the season and the the Broncos have not played well. The Chargers have kind of been kind of been on the fence. And the Las Vegas Raiders have absolutely stunk it up. They scored zero points last Sunday. Zero. They have Derek Carr, who only threw for 101 yards and zero touchdowns and one interception. You gave Josh Jacob the ball ten times for 43 carries. And the number one receiver from last season, the number one pick, the one person that everyone would pick first in their fantasy drafts, first in your hearts, Devontae Adams had one catch for three total yards. It is absolutely maddening watching this team offensively. Darren Waller did not play. He's been, ham- uh, I think, a hamstring injury has been keeping him out of the lineup for the past couple of games. But when you are watching the Las Vegas Raiders from what they were last year, you know they went through the whole turmoil with the firing of John Gruden and then Rich Bisacci taking over, and then you know they get rid of Rich and then they move on to Josh McDaniel, who who for some reason Michelle continues to find jobs even though he doesn't coach very well. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, Carrie, that Vegas is having these issues because Josh McDaniels historically has had so much success outside of New England. I mean, he's been <laughs> outstanding. He, he, wait, no, he went to Denver. No, that was terrible. Oh wait, then, Denver was bad. Then he oh, went wait, to he went to he went to Indiana for for like um, a day and then said no. It, yeah. it, it's really bad watching them play football. It is disheartening. You see a team that made it to the playoffs last season and now they are trying to find their way there. They're at two and five, last in the division, and probably not going to. Josh McDaniels may be one and done if this continues. 
I wonder, Carrie, why he gets so many opportunities. And I know that being around Belichick and uh, allegedly being the heir apparent to Belichick for so many years, that's why he left Indy at the altars, because at the time it was reported that he was promised to get the Pats head head coaching job when Belichick inevitably left. And And I know he has historically had a lot of success, but... If I'm another team, I'm looking at what happened with Denver. I'm looking at what he did it here in St. Louis or with J- Sam Bradford and zero success as the offensive coordinator. I'm looking at the way he handled the Indy situation. And frankly, I'm surprised that his name is always brought up and that he continues to get all of these opportunities when it's proven that he clearly has some sort of residue on him from Belichick and Brady. It is amazing. Third down. Well, you mentioned Devontae Adams, and he's not having a great time, and neither is his former team in the Packers. They are really struggling right now, Kerry, and we're seeing two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it in the Packers and uh, the, uh, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers in the Packers and Tom Brady in the Bucks really Mm -hmm. struggle so far this season, and it's been a bit of a changing of the guard. So the Packers fell to the Buffalo Bills 27-17 on Sunday night, and you knew that their their offense was going to struggle a bit without Devontae Adams, even though Aaron Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks that can elevate the people around him. It's hard to replace a, a, a wideout of that caliber, but I'm really surprised at the way the defense have, has been playing. They are supposed to be the anchor of this team while the offense figures it out, and they have been having a lot of issues. And then conversely, if you look at Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they drop uh, a game to the Ravens 27-22. to Tom Brady is writing a three-game skid for the first time since 2002. First time since <laughs> 2002. And both teams have a lot to work out, Carrie, but it's it's just interesting to me to think of, of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers both being in positions where their teams are struggling. Well, the Buccaneers probably have the best chance of making the playoffs and winning that division because no one in the NFC South really wants to win the division. The, the, the Panthers had an opportunity to uh, tie, some, tie things up, and they lost a game, a heartbreaking game to the Falcons. The Falcons are not very good, but they find, they're finding ways to win, and they're leading the division. Tampa Bay has to figure something out up front because they have to protect. He's 45 years old. You got to protect him. You got to make sure that he's not getting beat up. And he has been getting beat up. They're not running the ball particularly well, which they have done over the past few years. Uh, as far as Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers go, it, it, for me, it's it's not going to happen. They are no. struggling. And and more so, for me, the struggle is is one thing. But when you have a quarterback who is basically blaming his everyone else and not taking these younger guys under the under his wing it's going to be a long season for the Green Bay Packers Minnesota Vikings are clearly ahead in that division they already won up against the the, uh, the Packers in the division with a head-to-head win so you know it's going to be a tough road ahead for the for the Green Bay Packers more so than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when the Bucks Fourth are back and the Bucks are banged up a little bit too yep, so yep. if they if they get healthy a uh, healthier it'll be better but uh yeah I, I just think too about Tom Brady carry really quickly and he could have won that Super Bowl and had had everybody saying, oh, it was Brady, not Belichick, and just cruised away into yeah. the sunset. <laughs> but why would he do that? <laughs> but he I know still got football DNA, left to but... play. He's playing until he's 50. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> Fourth down. Michelle, there was a football game on last night, and the Bungles, yeah, I said it, Bungles, found a way <laughs> to lose to the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns were at home, the Bungles were not. And clearly, without without uh, Jamar Chase, this this Cincinnati Bengals team is completely different. They were they are struggling. They were struggling. They had been struggling earlier in the season, and without Jamar Chase yesterday, they still struggled. Joey Burrow got a couple of touchdowns late, but they are not running the football at 
all. Joe Mixon is a stud at running back. He got eight total carries for the entire game. That is maddening, and it, it is frustrating when you know your star receiver is out. You still have two very good guys in T. Higgs, T. Higgins and, and, and Todd Tyler Boyd, but Joe Mixon is an all-pro type of running back if you hand him the football, and they did not. And 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 what that does when you're able to run the football and and have uh, shorter third-down situations. If you can play complimentary football, which means your defense is not on the field the entire time, and Nick Chubb is going to run the ball down your throat, which is what the Cleveland Browns did last night. It is maddening to watch these teams only give a star running back eight carries. You deserve to lose that game, Cincinnati, because your star receiver is out and you're still trying to chuck the ball down the field. Give the ball to Joe Mixon. Make life easier on you. Make third down easier on you. And find a way to win the game on the road, in the division, and not blow that game the way that they did yesterday. And yeah, they were never really in that one. Um, and on the other side of the things, it looks like the Browns got a much-needed shot of life because heading into this one, I, I remember all the trade rumors about Kareem Hunt. Are they going to deal him before the deadline? Uh, but after this win, I'm assuming that they're going to hang on to him and, and hope that things have clicked into place. But just a brutal, brutal showing from the Bengals last night, Gary. It was. It was It was not great. St. Louis City starts their season next season, starts their season in spring 2023. What can City fans expect during their in-game experience? We'll ask City Chief Experience Officer Matt Seaback. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman. Randy Carricker is out. And joining us, we have St. Louis City Chief Experience Officer and Emir Knowledge. Oh, Matt Seebeck, sorry. And Emir Knowledge, <laughs> co-owner of Balkan Treat Box. Gentlemen, how are you all doing today? Good. Thanks for having us. Now, now I, have, I have to say this. Amir brought some food in here, and we're going <laughs> to dig into that later, I'm sure, because I, I am, I don't know if you can tell, I like to eat. And I, I, I enjoy <laughs> that part of, you know, this part of the studio. So, we got something good to be. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. be happy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So, Matt, you are uh, the chief city experience yeah. officer. What exactly do do fans? What 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 are what, when you come to a stadium? What is the the first one of the first few things that that you look at to make the fan experience uh, the best experience for them in a stadium? Yeah, it's been fun. So, working with our ownership group over the past couple years, we've been really focused on a couple things. One is this is a big moment to build pride in our city. So, really uh, showcase the best that St. Louis has to offer, whether it's art, music, entertainment certainly food that we'll talk about mm-hmm. um, but really as we turn the page towards you know our first game at the stadium you know on November 16th here uh, w- it's going to be full immersion so we're really looking to build a festival like you know atmosphere with with of course the food the smells mm-hmm. the sights the sounds so big opportunity for us to really showcase St. Louis and Matt, tell me about the City Flavor Program, because I know that you put the word out to St. Louis about what they wanted from a food standpoint to be at the stadium. You got over 10,000 submissions. So talk to me about the City Flavor Program and what what it's all about. Yeah, we, I mean, it kind of, get, again, starts out with, you know, our ownership's mission was, you know, we wanted food alone to be reason enough to come down to the stadium. So um, we had an idea of what we wanted to do. We brought in James Beard, award-winning chef, Gerard Kraft, to be a part of this almost three years ago. But we did, you know, ask the community, you know, give us your favorites. Tell us your hidden gems from around town because we wanted that food program to be reflective of 
so many different neighborhoods, ethnicities, cuisines, and fans showed up, you know, the 10,000 votes. And um, we announced our first four partners two weeks ago. So Gerard's very own Posteria Deli and Wine, uh, Braswell, uh, Brasserie Burger um, are going to be in the stadium, two delicious, uh, you know, additions. And then the other three partners, uh, Beast Craft Barbecue, um, Balk and Treat Box, uh, of course, and uh, I'm forgetting one. Steve's, Steve's Hot Dogs, Dogs, of course. So all three of those ended up in the top ten of vote getters. Very nice. Amir, tell us about uh, Balkan Treat Box for those that don't know about the restaurant. Uh, and what does it mean to be a part of the City Flavor program? So in 2015, basically, we started a food truck. Mm-hmm. So we started with the food truck. We wanted to do something different, something that hasn't been done in the city. Um, and we, we are serving Balkan food. You know, the Balkan region is pretty huge so there's a lot to cover um, but we focused on a, on three items for the truck 2019 we uh, expanded into brick and mortar in Webster Grove so okay. the menu is slightly bigger but it's still all the you know the top hits mm-hmm. um, and then once the stadium opened and you know the fans voted for us we we couldn't That's believe right. it you know it, it was comparable to if the Cardinals were starting right now, you know, and you get to get in their stadium. So um, we're beyond excited to be, you know, part of this part of this program. That's amazing. And Matt, I know that everything that you guys have done over at City is very intentional for this the St. Louis sports fan. You really want the experience to be tailored to the people that are coming to the game. And I've been in a lot of stadiums, and I imagine it would be easier to just do kind of the the copy-paste. We're going to use the, the national food vendors and everything that most stadiums do to make it an easier game day experience. But why was it so important for you guys to make sure that there were so many local vendors that were going to be represented at the stadium? Just because I, I think it, 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 you know, is attached to that, you know, building pride is I think everyone here and the research showed that everyone in St. Louis has their, you know, neighborhoods of, of comfort and we visit the same restaurants and we don't really get outside of those. So we wanted to really use that as an advantage, not only to bring in those those neighborhood favorites, but to think of a, a stadium and the platform that we have where you're discovering new food across St. Louis for the first time. I think that is what brings really that festival feel to it is we don't want even at the stadium people to go to one one concession stand. We've got 52 different food and beverage experiences. So there's lots of big and small and medium concepts where you can kind of trial and test a lot of different things. So we think that's pretty cool and, and different from how other stadiums have approached it. Amir, you brought your signature item today. Tell me what <laughs> that will be featured in the stadium. So tell us about it. Uh, I'm waiting for you. I'm dying for you to open the box. So I, I, I can see, see what's you going eyeballing on. the box. So let's, let's just like dig into it, man. <laughs> so uh, what I brought today is the Tentuni kebab, uh, which oh. is basically it's a wrap, but um, think uh, thinly sliced beef. Um, on a flat top with with the, you know the juices flowing, so you oh, put yeah. the, you put the, the the wrap on it and it soaks up all the all the goodness. Then you roll it up with some fresh vegetables and herbs and has a little kick to it. So how about you try this one and let me know uh, what you get think. In there, okay? guys, get in there, not a problem. Not a problem. I will dig right on in. So it's easy, handheld. It's perfect oh, for yeah. the stadium. So you Looks you amazing. grab that guy and go and enjoy the game. I'm watching this on I video love the, and I'm drooling. I love the sound effects going on here too, right? <laughs> the mic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. 
I like that. That's very good. Well, thank you. Very, very good. That. You ever had some? You, you had something like that at a stadium before? Ever? I have not. No, it's, it's I, creative. I, I like, like it. the description of how the juices soak into the bread. Like oh. that is very. That is a very uh, on point. <laughs> it, it's description in the details. Of what, you know? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. It's and very good. It's of delicious. course, we make those with Sorry, uh, with beef, with chicken, <laughs> and with tofu. So it, we we cover oh. all the bases. You know, very so good. We'll need- Amazing. So it's it, you have something for everybody. And guys, when can St. Louis give this a try? Uh, almost immediately, Michelle. We've so we've got our first. Uh, we've got our stadium grand opening on November sixteenth. Here, fans can buy tickets uh, sclcitysc.com or through our app. Um, so this is going to be, you know, it's, it's a bit of a trial. It's a grand opening for us, getting ready for you know the start of our season next year in twenty twenty three. But you know, as soon as November sixteenth here, fans can come in and kind of get a sneak peek of this experience. We're so proud about. Fans, go check out St. Louis City and Balkan Treat Box. Uh, November 16th, they can get a sneak preview. And then next season, next spring, uh, get the full... Uh, in experience of what yeah. you all are doing. Well, actually, let's not forget today we have a little party going oh. on at Balkan Trees Box, to be honest. Okay. So uh, at noon, we have some players, some from the staff, city players coming, and uh, the first 100 people to get there will get a Tentuni kebab. What's so, the address? 8103 Big Bend Boulevard. So 8103 Big Bend Boulevard. If you get off on time, I'll see you there, right? Yeah. I, if I get off on time, I will be there. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for another one of these. Thank Thanks. you, fellas. We greatly appreciate you all jumping in and, and joining us today. That's Amir Knowledge and Matt Seaback from St. Louis City and Balkan Tree Box. Uh, coming up next, we have Tioli. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? It, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Get your text in at 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It. And, Michelle, I got to take it or leave it for you. Okay, I'm ready. The next game will be Thursday for the Blues. Um, and take it or leave it, someone drops the gloves in the first minute. I'm going to take it. And <laughs> you got to. Like, somebody has to punch somebody in the face. Like, that's the only way you can right this ship. Like, the game, as soon as the puck is dropped, you drop your gloves, pick one out, the biggest, baddest one, and you show that you're not, you're not going to be bullied tonight. And they're hoping that if they punch the opposition in the face, it will also punch themselves in the yes. face and wake them up a little bit. There you go. Yes, I will take that. <laughs> I, I imagine. I tweeted this last night, Carrie, but I would not have wanted to be I saw a player that. in the dressing room. <laughs> After I was watching Craig Brewer's postgame, I'm like, ooh, are they going to get a butt chewing tonight? When they when Chief gets in that dressing room, it is not going to be a pretty scene. Yeah, it, it, it was It was not a pretty scene on the ice either. So, no, man, well deserved. They, they deserved it. All right, I have one for, for you, Carrie. So, Le- LeBron James has made it very clear that he wants to end his career 
career playing alongside his son, Bronny. And I was reading in The Athletic, Dana O'Neill, and um, some of the assess- assessments that are out there about Bronny, who's in high school right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of coaches and scouts that spoke to The Athletic are saying that no one thinks that Bronny is a one-and-done player, that he's not going to be the guy that can uh, quickly get to the NBA, that he's probably going to need two, maybe even three years of a collegiate-level basketball to be seasoned enough to get drafted into the NBA. So LeBron is 37 right now. He turns 38 on December 30th. Take it or leave it. LeBron does not have it in him to wait for Bronny to come to the NBA. His dream is not going to ha- come true. I- I'll take that. I think that, as you said, Bronny is not a, a one-and-done type of player. He is going to be a kid that needs to you know, mature in his game. Not not mentally, but mature in his game. He has to get better at certain things. Um, and I think he needs to be a better ball handler. I-, I-, I watched him a couple of times, seen him in person once. I think he needs to handle the ball just a little bit better. Because he is going to be a point guard. He's only around 6'2", I believe. So, you know, he's not a not an overly big guy for NBA uh, standards. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take it. Le- LeBron won't be around by the time if, if Bronny is able to make it to the NBA. I can't imagine him wanting to – well, I know he would want to, but everything that he – puts into his body. I mean, he spends like a million dollars a year maintaining his body. We, we have all the conversations about load management. Imagine him in his 40s waiting around for his son to get drafted. It will be a long, long time waiting. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Uh, take, it or, take it or leave it. The Buffalo Bills win it all this year. Take I, it. I got to take that as well. I thought that they were going to win it all last year, and – it was only Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs that could yeah. have had that duel in the in the playoffs the way that they did. I think if the Bills win that game, they win the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, I think that's 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 I'll I'll, I'll take that for just you know build off other ones. I'll take that. Take it or leave it. In Army, we trust might need to be questioned. This team is not the same team that won a cup. Instead of a David Perron team, this is a Jordan Cairo team. Ooh. Well, I'm not going to go so far. I'm going to leave it right now. Um, because I think it needs a little bit more time to breathe. Uh, So based on the track record, I still say an army we trust. However, my displeasure at David Perron not being brought back to the Blues has been widely documented, and I I do think that that was a mistake. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different changes that had to be made to this team, but I think... You, you can look at the scheme they've been running. Don't, no no one's skating hard, and you can't play Craig Berube's scheme if you're not skating hard. And so I, I think it's funny we're already getting texts about firing Berube. We're going to get into that a little bit later. And uh, if you want to fire Berube, you can just you know, text us at 65780 because I always want to read that or text. Or leave a mic drop because I really want to hear that. Yeah, actually, everybody, leave a mic drop today because we want to hear your tone. I want to hear your frustration. This is um this is a trust tree. This is a safe space. Just let it all out. After, let it out. After not only the game last night but the past five games, I think a lot of people could use an outlet this morning so just just join us let us know how you're feeling about the blues today take it or leave it the pittsburgh steelers need to fire their offensive coordinator nah take it take it take it right now take it every day wow i needed to fire him last year i I, and and i'm not a i'm not a proponent of people losing their jobs unless you're not performing well at your job if you don't do well then you shouldn't have the job to do I mean, it, it seems pretty simple to me. Yeah, they, they are struggling, uh, and they got to figure something out offensively. Uh, start with Najee Harris, get him the ball. That's what I'd do. Take 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Michelle. I was just gonna say that seems like a pretty safe play. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the simplest thing to do. But you know, what do I know? This is a little more of a lifestyle. Take it or leave it. I kind of like this. Take it or leave it. After you open up a ketchup bottle, you put it back in the fridge, not the pantry. Take it. Yeah, it has to go in the fridge, right? Yeah. Take it. I think it says it on the bottle. Doesn't it refrigerate yeah. after opening. Yeah. Is that I on agree. There? I, I don't know. Ketchup might just have so many preservatives. It just might not matter. <laughs> I think you I have think to it put it in the fridge. it says it on the bottle. I don't know. Wait, are people throwing ketchup oh, in yeah. the pantry? Oh, oh yes. Where do, you guys put your, where do you guys put your bread? See, I, I go both. I put it in the refrigerator and I put it on in the pantry. What do you wow. do? What do you do right now? You, 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 right you now buy it's bread in the refrigerator. Right Why are you putting your bread in the refrigerator? It just is. I, it, 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 the blame French? my mom. It I don't makes know. It, mold, that, it makes that, it mold faster. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, sir. It does. Mm. That bread has been in there for a long time. It is not molded. <laughs> a lot of people freeze their bread and then defrost it, yep. you know, because obviously it'll hold. But I find that bread never tastes as good if you freeze and defrost it. So I'm a, I'll buy the loaf. I'll put it in the bread bread drawer or in the or in the pantry and I'll just eat a lot of bread that week. See, I don't I don't I don't uh if I keep it in the pantry it's going to it's going to get mold I mean it's going to get molded cuz I don't eat enough sandwiches or bread you know. You know what throughout you need a, to do? Throughout the the life of the bread, the the loaf of bread. If you're buying the loaf carry just commit. Commit to that life, you know? For, for just... that just for that time span. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't let it get wasted. I, Correct. Okay. I'm so confused right now. A lot of people are texting in that restaurants keep their ketchup on the tables, but don't those places oh, at like the end of yeah. the day, but don't those places at the end of the day like gather all that stuff up and put them in, in the refrigerator? Am I crazy? This was a question that we I needed know. to ask last segment when we were talking about food with some experts. Yeah. <laughs> Text them. Here. I'm going to Google this. Research is on it. Stand by. <laughs> Somebody said bread in the fridge does make it last longer. Keep eating mac and cheese with a spoon, Rock. Yep, there you go. It was uncalled for. Okay, according to my sources, a.k.a. Google, it says because of its natural acidity, ketchup is shelf-stable. However, Mm. its stability after opening can be affected by storage conditions, so it's recommended that ketchup be refrigerated after opening to maintain the best product There you go. There you go. Great job, See? everybody involved. <laughs> Great job, everybody. Take it or leave it. This is actually a good start for Com- Thomas and Cairo. Stay with me. Getting the big extension is a lot to handle for a young guy, let alone two. This will get their focus and preparation right for later in the year. I'm going to leave that because it's not a good start. Um, you know, losing five games in a row. Hey, I, the notion that – see, here's my thing. I, I, I'm, I'm – I don't know. Maybe I'm a – outside the box thinker. I don't believe that losing games at any point, whether it be early, whether it be late, I think that's a way that people comfort themselves. Like when the Cardinals were losing down the street, oh, they're getting it out of the way before the playoffs. No, they're just losing. And the Blues, oh, they're getting it out of the way as early in the season. No, they are losing. Play better. It doesn't matter when the losses take place, early, mid, late, playoffs. You don't want to lose games, and you definitely don't want to lose five in a row. So, I am not a proponent of, oh, it's out, get it out of the way. We'll, we'll, we'll rebound. No. Play better. Win games. You will feel better. Your day will go better. Losing. Michelle, let me tell you something. I lost a lot of games. I coached at, at, a, at a particular school about seven years ago, and mm-hmm. I lost so many games. We lost so many games. I went to the doctor because I thought I was sick. I was literally feeling sick. And the doctor said, there is nothing wrong with you. I said, no, 
there's something going on in my body. I'm, I don't know what this is. And it just dawned on me. I am sick of losing. Literally, I am sick from losing. So don't lose. You'll feel better. Oh, it's so the quality of life. That's what you're telling me is that the Blues just need to go to the doctor and get something to to fix what is ailing them because right. they're physically sick of losing. Maybe. I don't know. They got to figure something out. The thing is, you're not going to win every game. And no. there's always going to be some point in the season where things get a little sticky. That's just what happens, especially in baseball and hockey when you have longer seasons. However, I would prefer them to get it out of the way. And whether it is the... We just signed the big deals and, you know, we're pressing. There's there's too much pressure on us. We need to get out of our own heads. That's one thing. But I would still expect to see the effort there. When you sign a big deal like that, you're absorbing more responsibility. You're acknowledging that your role on this team has changed, that you're now a foundational piece and that people are relying on you to take it to the next level. And even if I'm in my own head about that and – uh, from a skill set standpoint or uh, a cohesion standpoint, it's not there. I would still expect everyone uh, or expect myself to give the effort that is deserved. And that's what I can't uh, absolve in this five game stretch is some of the efforts that we're seeing. Sorry, I'm reading a lot of catch up opinions right now. <laughs> Any good ones? I mean, everyone, uh, everyone's saying that. Uh, because of your point, like it's self-stable and usually people use the ketchup in a couple, you know, days so they don't have to take them into the fridge every night. Just I'm, I'm learning a lot about ketchup. I, I worked at a couple restaurants. None of that had ketchup on the table, though, come to think hmm. of it. Hmm. Um, <laughs> take it or leave it. Mr. Davis is getting the Randy rage because of stupid people. Have a great day. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. I, I, maybe a little bit. It's rubbing off on me. I might. I, I have my own set of rage that, that I have that I carry with me no every single day. No one's talked about analytics a single time today, Carrie. What are you angry about? I'm confused. That is a good day then. The Blues took a tough loss last night. They're fifth in a row. We'll discuss it next on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. It looks like the coach has lost the locker room to me. I think some of his old school ways are falling on deaf ears with these young kids. And it's going to be a struggle unless they come around and play the way he wants them to. And losing Perron was the worst decision the Blues could have made. Welcome back to the opening drive. That was Steven with the mic drop. Michelle, you've been talking about... Uh, the loss of David, David Perron and what it has meant to this Blues organization, to these Blues players. Uh, so, here you go, Michelle. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I'm with Steven, and I I was very shocked uh, at the time that the Blues elected not to, to bring back David Perron just because of not only the production that he exhibited all the time, uh, especially last season, Um, And especially after the fact that he was one of two players that consistently showed up in the playoffs, but because of of what he meant from a leadership standpoint, David, David Perron joined uh, our show, Character and Smallman, every week. And we really got an insight um, into just 
how he led and and uh, the energy that he brought to the room and and the way that he would communicate with different players. And I think that that's very important, especially when uh, you have a head coach like Chief, who is old school and direct in a way, to have that message be supplemented by leaders in the locker room. And there's still, obviously, veteran guys there like Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly that can deploy the message. But I do think that moving on from David Perron was a risk. Uh, he had such a great connection with, with Ryan O'Reilly on and off the ice as well. I was wondering how, how that would affect Ryan O'Reilly's game to not have David Perron there. We've seen that many times in sports when you have your your security blanket in a way taken away and how it negatively affects players. But I, I just... I think it was a mistake not not to bring him back, but what's done is done, and that yeah. can't that can't be affecting the team, uh, and it can't be a pervasive theme throughout the season. You, you're going to have to find a way to have new players step up, especially players that signed big deals. I'm looking at you, Robert Thomas, and this is an opportunity for for a lot of the younger guys to assume the role of mm-hmm. a David Perron. Well, one thing, one other thing that Steven said that I, I may have to disagree with is that he thinks Barubi has lost the locker room and these younger guys are are not buying in or not listening. There is a there is a a disconnect somewhere um, where they are they are just not it's not happening on the ice. I'm sure they talk about it, they go over it. You know, as coaches, you you tend to repeat the same things over and over again. And and one of the things that my coach told me, one of my coaches told me, is repeat offenders in the NFL lose their jobs. In the, in the real mm. world, they go to prison. But <laughs> in the NFL, you lose your job. So if you are a repeat offender, meaning you continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again, at some point, you're not going to be allowed to make those mistakes because I'm not going to put you out there. So if, if there are repeat offenders on this Blues team that are not or that are continuing to make the same mistakes over and over and over again, you have to figure a way to where maybe they aren't getting that that many opportunities to be able to make those mistakes, and and that comes down to coaching. Uh, coach, one of my favorite fa- phrases is is uh, from from Coach. Um, um, is there something about going to prison <laughs> if you don't play football well? <laughs> Coach Venturi, where he yes. says you're either coaching well, it or you're allowing it. Uh, but, no. <laughs> but yes, listen, repeat offenders. Oh, this on. is news for everybody. Repeat offenders in professional sports, you lose your job. In the real world, you go to jail. That that That's what he told me, and I'm sticking with it. Carrie, uh, I would like to propose a segment here. Okay. I think maybe tomorrow we start this. We need to start a segment called Sports Jail, where we put repeat oh. offenders in sports jail. Hey. Matt, I, I need some sort of sound effect. Of a clink, of of a of a jail cell slamming, maybe of a of a gavel. It can be of coaches too. Being done. Yeah, it, it can, it can coaches, be coaches because Josh McDaniels is definitely in in, oh. in my coach's jail in my sports jail right now. Lifetime sentence for Josh McDaniels. <laughs> no possibility of parole. But Carrie, that's that is the thing though. In real life, you go to jail. In, in sports, you don't. So let's create sports jail. Yeah. Let's just you, make it a segment where we're going to put repeat offenders you, in sports jail. You lose your so job or you lose your opportunities if that's you right. are if you are a repeat offender. That's just how it goes. I don't make the rules. I just abide by them, Michelle. I love that, <laughs> and I'm also with you uh, when it comes to Craig Berube. I at least up to this point, and more inclined to put the onus on the players and not on the coach who we've seen had have so much success here in St. Louis with a variety of, of different guys. And I, I just think it's a little remarkable that so many people are so quick to say, get rid of Chief, right. when this is the guy that turned a team just like this around and brought you the hardware that you didn't have for over 50 years. This is the guy who time and time again has 
changed up a line combination when things were wrong and shaken something loose and pushed all of the right buttons to to get the most out of his players. And just because it's not happening right now and the beginning of a season in a small sample size, we're, we're ready to to call for his job. That's just a little early for me, at least. I agree. I, I think it's a little early. And, and as you said, it, he you have to have uh, – more evidence of the coach not doing his job properly because if, if a coach is telling guys this is what we need this is what I need to see this is what I expect from you and it's still not getting done at some point then those guys as I said have to not get those opportunities to continue to make those mistakes but it, it, for the coaching aspect of it it is still early he has to be able to figure out the right combination the right guys and what's going to motivate each one of these men uh, to perform at their best and right now they are not doing that and hopefully going forward they will uh, we got another mic drop from Michael I got one name for you Connor Bedard that's what the Blues are going for alright of course I'm kidding but that would be awesome I ain't worried about the Blues. Last I recall, Craig Berube's the guy that brought this team their first Stanley Cup ever. Now we're all going to freak out because we're 3-5-0? and oh. I mean, come on, people. It's, like, where is your loyalty? Oh, we're 3-5-0, and oh, so I guess we're going to miss the playoffs this year. Do you remember how bad this team was before they won the Cup? Amen. I just don't understand people sometimes. It'll be fine. If we're still playing like this in 10 games, then I'll start getting worried. So, Connor Bedard, uh, the the top prospect uh, for next year's draft. I agree in some regards, but here's my thing. Yes, if it's 10 games from now, the panic bus should be rolling down Market Street. It it should be (laughs) rolling. It should not be getting started, Michelle. (laughs) The bus should be riding and passengers should be getting on at that point. It's not the losses that bother me. It's how you lose. Mm -hmm. If you are competing and just not finding a way to win a game, that's different. But when you allow four goals in a span of, what is it, six minutes? 15 seconds. (laughs) Exactly. When you are not able to compete night in and night out, those are the things that cause concern for me. Those are the things that worry me and make me, you know, take a step back and say, hey, some things have to change. Some things have to be better. And right now it's it's not looking great. You have to make sure it's right, Carrie, six minutes and 15 seconds because those 15 seconds were equally as brutal as the six minutes. So we need the entire <laughs> time <apologize>. stamp. <laughs> that was apologies. a rough second period. And, and they've been struggling in the second period in general. They were outscored, I believe, 14 to 6 in the second period during this losing stretch. So they, they've got a lot that they need to figure out. They definitely do. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, Next game is Thursday night. They can figure some things out against the Islanders. They, they it, For me, as I said, just come out with the energy, the passion. They're professional hockey players. So it's not it's not a, a lack of ability. It's not a lack of passion. It's, it's just for whatever reason, it's not happening and it's not all tying together. And the only people that can fix it are those men that are on the ice. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, so it, it's not like high school. It's not like college. These are professional players. These are professional men. They're getting paid to do a job, and they have to do their job better. And this is not, you know, belittling or berating anyone. This is the same thing that the coaches are telling them in the locker room, in the dressing room. Hey, you want to win, you have to play better. You have to play with more energy. You have to play uh, uh, more team hockey as opposed to, you know, maybe trying to do some things on your own. So when they figure that out, whenever that is – They'll be good to go. Well, and you know what I can't understand, and I'm looking forward to asking Darren Pang about this coming up next, 
is why we're talking about a lack of buy-in. Because if you're a player on this team, what are you not buying in on? This is a, a man and an organization that has won a Stanley Cup. And that clearly if you if you do buy in and pull the rope the same way and lean into what they're telling you and their style of hockey, you can find success. So that's, I guess, where a major confusion point is existing for me is what about the current construct is allowing players to not buy in? Because from where I sit, I'm looking at somebody that's had the success that I want, and so I would definitely be buying in. Yeah, we'll talk about it next. Coming up, analyst for Blues and TNT, Darren Pang, will be joining us. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. I, uh, yeah, I see a lot of guys. I mean, I see our team in general. I'm not going to point to certain individuals, the team. And right now, um, that includes everybody. That was Craig Ruby talking about the effort and the team not really buying in. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and have blues analyst and TNT host Darren Pang. Panger, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Kerry. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Michelle Smallman is joining us from New York. Panger, I, I, I'm watching the game last night, and, and you hear Barubi talk. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the effort and, and whether or not this team is buying in and what needs to be fixed? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a complicated question, as you know, Kerry. You, you know, you, you're, you're on a team, you're part of a team, you've had success before, but you know, now you've kind of got to check your egos at the door and get, get back to playing again the way that the team has to play. And um, I think the the frustrating thing is, you know, there are some shifts where, the, you know, top-end players are playing some terrific hockey. Then there's other shifts where um, it's more of a freelance game. Um, I thought in the last couple of games we got some pretty good shifts from, uh, let's call it the Achari line. Um, last night the Brown line kind of threw a couple of, uh, you know, had a couple of good plays as well. But nothing's consistent and, and certainly nothing is um uh, hard to play against, Kerry. That's that's the biggest thing, and maybe the biggest disappointment for all these players is they're not they're not hard to play against. And so when when that happens, you can feel it in the other team. I mean, I you could feel that LA knew that there was a lack of confidence last night. And when you sniff that out, uh, then you can just honestly you just keep making plays. And that's exactly what LA did last night, and the Blues didn't have any answers for that. Panger, what should the message be from Chief? Or or is it even a message that can be delivered from the coaching staff? Or do you think it has to come from the players? Well, you know, Michelle, nice to talk to you, Michelle. Uh, how- Good to talk to you too, Panger. I miss you. <laughs> how you been anyway? How's New York? It's great. It's great. Um, it's definitely different from St. Louis in so many ways, as you know. But uh, it's been good so far. I definitely miss home, though, and, and miss talking blues hockey with you. Well, good stuff. You can call any time. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the, I think the... Um, what you can do, I mean, Carrie, I know you weren't here in, in you know, in 2018, 19. It seems like a, an eternity ago. Uh, but the Blues went through a similar spell. Might have been worse. Um, really no identity. Really didn't know where they were going. Really didn't know how to check their egos at the door. They just, they just didn't know, you know, what, 
they, they just weren't coming together as a team. And then they had a practice. Um, it was at the old mills where they used to practice in, instead of the new Santine. And uh, battle drills in front of the net. And, and Zach Sanford, the poor fella, he's in front of the net with Robert Bortuzzo. And they're, they're doing a battle drill, and they're pushing, and they're shoving, and they're cross-checking, they're getting each other out of the way, and bang, they get into a fight. And, boy, Bortuzzo put a licking on them. The place went quiet, and that was the bottom of the barrel right there. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to go out and have fights like this, but you have to hit you know, the, the, the bottom of it to all look at each other and say, okay, wait a second here, I got your back. And I didn't think last night that, that they had each other's backs. I mean, if, if the coach is going to say something to you on the bench, he is the coach. Um, it, it's kind of time to put your head down, listen to the coach, and get ready for the next shift and, and prove him wrong or, or whatever it might be. But I think there were some situations last night where there was a, a little bit of barking. I relayed a little bit of it on the air last night, and there was some frustration and some banging sticks. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think they said before the game that this is the time to stick together. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if they, they truly believe that they did last night. Um, and, and it may not happen for a couple of games. I'm not sure. But it's going to happen soon. And when, when it does... And then they find that togetherness and what you have to do to play this game to win instead of individual success, then I think that it's, uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out well because they're too, far too good of a team um, for this to be happening to every night. Hey, Panger, Mike Tomlin used to always say the most physical team would win. And, and I know that hockey, as well as football, mm-hmm. has dialed back some of the physicality. But these other teams are still showing physical presence on the boards, and, and the Blues are not. What do they need to do uh, to just be more physical at times where it doesn't feel like they're getting you know, bullied or, or beat up at times? Well, I mean, there's chances. You know, I'm between the benches, and, you know, Noel Achari, uh, newcomer to the team, he had a chance to take out the right D who was trying to get the line. I think it was uh, Dursey, and he did. Went right through him. You know, Torpchenko had a chance right along their boards. He's a left winger. That's where his big hits are going to be. He did. So, you know, some guys some guys did. Some guys just aren't built that way. I mean, you know, they're, we saw Vladdy against Montreal down the right side. He was going up against a young defenseman named Caden Gooley. And, you know, Caden Gooley hit him first, and then the next shift, there goes Vladdy. He went right through him as well, and it ignited a spark at that particular point. You don't have to be the biggest or the strongest, but you have to – you have to have some gumption to, to take a shoulder or, or just take a piece of that player to make sure he knows that you're just not going to skate away in a circle. Um, I mean, are we asking Jordan Cairo to run people through the boards? That's, that, that's not going to be the case. But when you get up to a player, as an example, let's say the, the left D makes a pass to the right D and you're one foot away from the player that just passed it, you can't just skate away. You have to at least bear hug that guy. You at least get a little piece of him. And once that happens and everybody starts doing that, then you begin the physicality. Um, that's the basics of hockey. Um, skating away from a check or even the way that the Blues defended last night. I mean, how many of those passes did, you know, did we show and they'll go through them? A cross-ice pass to the far post where the defenseman isn't facing the, isn't facing the puck um, and hasn't tied up the player that's about to score a goal. You have to do one or the other. And, uh, and so those fundamentals and maybe lack of confidence were evident last night. Pinga, there were a lot of questions about the Blues goaltending heading into this season. What have you thought of Binner and Grice so far? I, honestly, I think they've been, I guess, better than fine. Like I, Last night, Binner had no chance. I mean, anybody who wants to break down that, that game, they go right ahead. I'll meet them anywhere <laughs> and break down. You know, the, the, the goaltender's trust has to be that the backdoor play is taken care of. He has to step out of the top of the crease, and he has to face the shot. That's his job. If he stays deep in his net cheating for a backdoor play, and the shooter scores, 
well, then that's his fault. But I, I think our, the coverage in front of the net um, is not exactly what they've talked about. You know, they, they seem to be tweaking something in the defensive zone and are not on the same page just yet. So, um, again, I thought, you know, we can go down the list of games and, and saves. When they're straight on opportunities, I think Bennington and Grice have been really good. I think the fans might have mistook the last goal on Bennington for a straight-on shot from the angle. Maybe when they got home and looked at it or they looked at it on their phones, they're like, oh, wait a second, that went right off Justin Falk's stick under the crossbar and in. And, I mean, that's a quick reaction play. As a goalie, you actually don't want your D on that severe of an angle to have a stick there. And I'm sure Benny and, and Greish will, you know, make sure they talk to their defenseman and say, hey, get that stick out of the way. I'm good with that shot. It's such a severe angle. But I don't think our fans knew that it deflected right away. And they were kind of giving him the raspberries, which I didn't think was fair. Hey, Panger, what have you seen from Bucinavich in his return uh, to the ice? He's, he's been okay. He's made some good plays. And, um, I didn't expect him to jump right in after you know being out for five games and just you know being the, the kind of forward he was last year. He had a career year last year, and uh, and and then you get injured and come back. So I mean, he, he's got way better play to him. I'll, I'll tell you that. And and he's one of the leaders in the team. He's on what you would say the top line with Robert Thomas and Vladdy. I mean, when they when they hop over the boards, I mean they're expected not to score every shift, but they're expected to play hard and dominate. Uh, in the offensive zone and keep pucks on their stick to wear down the opposition, at least at minimum. And uh, that's their job. That's what they get paid to do. And, and that's what hasn't happened on a consistent basis. Hey, Panker, last question for me. The uh, Blues face the Islanders on Thursday. What do you need to see to give you confidence going forward in this team to, to, to you know, show that they are able to continue and, and, and win some yeah. games? Well, it'll, it'll be a hard, tight defensive game. Um, that's what it's going to be. Um, they've got big, rangy defensemen and uh, Pulak and Pelik. And they're both about six foot five, six foot six. They, they, they'll, the, the, the emphasis on the Blues, Kerry, have been on, you know, missed opportunities, uh, grade A pluses, which is true. And, and again, last night, you know, there was, there was a few as well last night. For example, Cairo's three on O that could have made it a 2 1 game and changed the entire momentum of the game. Instead, there was no shot on goal, and it goes the other way. But I think against a team like the New York Islanders, it, they've got to tighten up their defensive coverage. Um, they too have some pretty tricky players, and they they they'll have net front presence. Um, they'll always have somebody there. They'll get shots through, and and if the Blues don't fix that, there's only so many saves that the goaltender is going to be make that he can see. So they they got to tighten that part of it up, in my opinion. Thank you, Panger. Good luck on Thursday night. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Michelle. Take care. Bye, Panger. That was Darren Pang joining us talking about the Blues uh, upcoming game on Thursday. Hopefully, they can get things back on the right foot and get a W. Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, hope, so, let's hope so. We need to stop this skid in its tracks. Indeed. Coming up next, we have the fight. We have a returner. Scott will be taking on me again. See if I can do a little better this time. That's <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Drive on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman filling in for Megamind, Randy Carricker. And uh, filling in for Megamind, Randy Carricker on the fight is Kerry Davis. And he is not the undisputed champion because he lost yesterday. Scott handed Kerry his first loss since he's been competing in the fight. He was 5-0 and heading into yesterday, but Scott beat him. So Scott is back to 
defend his title. And if he wins today, he's got a chance at the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing? Doing all right. Are you ready to challenge Kerry again today? I don't know. Try and keep him losing today. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go. Question number one for you, Scott. Good luck. On this day Thanks. in 1966, this NFL franchise that has always played in the NFC was founded and would start play in the 1967 season. Was it the New Orleans Saints, the Atlanta Falcons, or the then Washington Redskins? Mm, I want to say the Washington Redskins. All right. You said you said you wanted to, so I didn't know if you were going to change it there in a moment. All right. So we'll go, we'll go with the Washington Redskins. So we're locked in, Scott. Scott. All right. Which current NFL running back sits atop the NFL record book as the only player to ever rush for six or more touchdowns in a single game? Is that Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, or Saquon Barkley? Kamara. Question number three for Scott. Which St. Louis Cardinal owns the World Series record for the most four-hit games in their career? Is it Albert Pujols, Stan Musial, or Rogers Hornsby? Most four-hit games in their career? The World Series record for the most four-hit games. The World Series record. Yes, correct. Um, Hmm. All Cardinals, I'm going to have to go Stan Musial. All right. Back in the 80s, Michelle's Dolphins built one of the most <laughs> prolific quarterback-wide receiver combos in NFL history, setting an NFL record with 81 touchdowns before being passed by Steve Young and Jerry Rice. We all know the quarterback was Marino, but who was the receiver for those 81 scores? Was that Nat Moore, Mark Clayton, or Mark Duper? What was the names again? Was it Nat Moore, Mark Clayton, or Mark Duper? Mark Clayton rings a bell, but that was a little before my time, so we're going to go with that name, Mark Clayton. Okay. Scott says Mark Clayton. We're confirming the score here. Um, we're You're waiting confirmed. for Kerry Davis to come in. And, uh, Scott, how do you feel? Give me a confidence check, my man. Uh, not too confident in this one today. Did you feel more confident yesterday? Yep. <laughs> We'll see how Gary fares uh, in this one. This was a, an interesting fight today. Three football questions and a baseball question. If you're not a football person, this is going to be a tough one for you. Today, are, are you a football guy, Scott? I mean, I, I watch a little bit. I'm not as much on the history of it. Yeah, well, let's hope Kerry Davis isn't either. Kerry, <laughs> please say good morning to Scott. You remember him. He beat you yesterday. He did. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing all right. You got to try to make sure it doesn't happen again, sir. No offense to you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Carrie, did uh, you get any heat from Randy Carricker yesterday because you dropped the ball? I did not hear anything from Randy. I don't know if he heard. Hopefully he's not listening again. <laughs> uh, but hopefully I can take care of business today and we don't have to get close to a near Hall of Famer that while he's is- off. The it's most stressful pressure. thing. Yeah. It is. Because you're filling in for, for yes. Megamind, and the last thing you want to do uh, is allow a Hall of Famer on your watch. No, while he's I do out. not. No. Yeah. Stressful. So I got to right, take care CD. of business. You ready to go? I'm ready to roll. All right. Question number one for Carrie. On this day in 1966, this NFL franchise, and this franchise has always played in the NFC, it was founded and would start play in the 1967 season. Was that the New Orleans Saints, the Atlanta Falcons, or the then Washington Redskins? Oh. 1966. Always played in the NFC. Say it again. Redskins, Falcons, and the Saints? Correct. Whew, that is a difficult one there. 
Wait, yeah. you don't remember what was going nah, on in this day in 1966? I was trying to figure out the other day what I was doing in, in 66. It just it just blew right past me. I couldn't figure it out. Thanks, Rock. Um, <laughs> there's, a big, there's a big clue in the question. I don't you're, think, you're missing I don't, it. You said, okay, yeah, you did say that. All right. I'm going to say it wasn't. I don't think it was the Falcons. What the Saints? You said Saints? Saints, Falcons, Redskins. They're like, I'm gonna go. Saints are the team that comes to mind, so I'm gonna go Saints. All right, number two. Which current NFL running back sits atop the NFL record book as the only player to ever rush for six or more touchdowns in a single game? Is it Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, or Saquon Barkley? Alvin Kamara. All right, Carrie. Which St. Louis this century? Car- Thanks. <laughs> yep. Which St. Louis Cardinal owns the World Series record for the most four-hit games in their career? Is that Albert Pujols, Stan Musial, or Rogers Hornsby? Hmm. I'm throw Albert out of it. Don't think. I don't know how many uh, Hornsby or Musial played in because that would be a determining factor as to how many games they played and how many opportunities they had to play in those games. I'm going to go with Stan the Man. All right. And number four, back in the 80s, Michelle Smallman's Dolphins built one of the most prolific quarterback wide receiver combos in NFL history, setting an NFL record with 81 touchdowns before being passed by Steve Young and Jerry Rice. We all know the quarterback was Marino, but who was the receiver for those 81 scores? Was it Nat Moore, Mark Clayton, or Mark Duper? Oh, Clayton and Duper, Mark Super Duper. I do remember that. This is now you're 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 in my in my wheelhouse a little bit. But I I'm trying to think if it was Clayton or Duper. Read the question one more time, please. They they combined for 81 touchdowns before being passed by Steve Young and Jerry Rice for the most in a quarterback wide receiver combo. We all know that the quarterback was Marino, but mm-hmm. who was the wide receiver for those 81 scores? Ah, uh, was it Clayton or Duper? You better not disappoint Finkel me, Finkel or Einhorn. I don't know. <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> Let's go with Clayton. Woo, buddy. This was a close fight. It was tied heading into the final question. Carrie was waffling between two options. Did he select correctly? Matthew Rocchio, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't have all the sounders. You can't stunt on them today. Oh, my gosh. Scott, hey, guys, I'm I got to so hop off here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I got to hop off. I got to get back to work. My boss is calling me. All oh, right. okay. Well, don't get in trouble. Don't Thanks, get Scott. in trouble. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Likely excuse the boss is calling me. I can't sit around and and listen to Carrie gloat. (laughs) Oh well, Carrie, congratulations! You did beat Scott three to two. You uh, you broke your your one game losing. I guess it's not streak if it's one if it's one day. But let's run through the answers. Like ten days, I'm telling you, one day it feels a lot. It feels like a lot. It weighs heavy on you when you you lose this, but you do have the crown. Okay, so on this day in 1966, this NFL franchise that has always played in the NFC, it was founded, and it would start playing the 1967 season. That is the New Orleans Saints, which conveniently was founded on All Saints Day, which Ah, is today, November 1st. November 1st. The big big clues right there There in the question. I I figured I got it right when you gave the next question, which was, uh, I'm sure I got that one right as well. There you go. Founded on All Saints Day. What a fun little (laughs) trivia nugget for you. Which current 
NFL running back sits atop the NFL record book as the only player to ever rush for six or more touchdowns in a single game. That is, in fact, Alvin Kamara, who did it versus the Vikings on December 25th of 2020. The St. Louis Cardinal that owns the World Series record for the most four-hit games in their career, it's Albert Pujols, who's done it three times. Really? Clutch. And back in the 80s, Mine and Randy's Miami Dolphins, they built one of the most prolific quarterback-wide receiver combos in NFL history. They set an NFL record with 81 touchdowns before being passed by Steve Young and Jerry Rice. We all know the quarterback was Dan the Man Marino. The receiver for those 81 scores was Mark Clayton. Very good carry, Davis. It was Marino and Clayton who had that record, 81 touchdowns. And with that question and that correct answer, Carrie took home the title. That's stressful. You have no clue the amount of stress involved in, in trying to figure this out. Uh, yes, I do. Oh, well, yes, you do, actually. Yeah, 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 you do. You do. I'm talking about everyone else out here does not. So, yeah. I try to explain that to people. I'm like, this segment was built around Randy Carricker, who is a savant. He is yes. a, a sports trivia genius. For us to try to fill in for him is the most stressful thing oh, to man. do. It's very hard. It, it is extremely difficult to do. Thank you, Scott, for playing. Uh, thank you, Rock. Thank you, Michelle. I greatly appreciate uh, you all not get, killing me with questions today, even though Rock gave me a 60s question, which, <laughs> how the hell am I supposed to know that, it's sir? It's All Saints Day. What other team would have been founded on All Saints Day but the New Orleans Saints? Good. Yeah, you got one there. You, you are correct. Coming up next, MLS with the fan outreach and the upcoming expansion draft. We'll talk about it with Michelle, with the with St. Louis City, what they're what we expect for them next season. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. And Michelle, St. Louis City is geared up to take off next season but coming up is the expansion draft they have a friendly here on november 16th and we just had the chief experience officer matt c back in here and and co-owner of balkan treat amir knowledge talking about all of the great things that are coming and looking forward to mls soccer here st louis city you also have a podcast 101 soccer you and moon what are you seeing and how excited is st louis to to get to watch some mls soccer uh you know day in and day out Yes, uh, there's so much happening with St. Louis City SC, and it was amazing to get a glimpse of what's happening on the food side this morning. Uh, I'm very envious that you guys have to sample the Balkan Treat Box that's going to be good. at the stadium. It's going to be amazing at City Park. But <laughs> I, I think that what we spoke about earlier with Matt Seebeck, who is the chief experience officer, is very representative of what's happening with City as a whole. And that is that everything they're doing is so intentional And they're really trying to build something that is for St. Louis and for the St. Louis sports fan. And whether that's making sure that the food represents the community and, as they shared with us, is more of a food festival type experience or even making it a a very seamless operation where, um, you know, they they have the technology where you can walk through and and your card gets scanned. It's it's just going to be a really wonderful game day experience and getting to learn about how they're building this brick by brick. I'm not I'm expecting Carrie the same attitude and the same approach to be taken when it comes to building the team because they're very locked into what St. Louis wants and what St. Louis expects from a sports perspective and with that 
the expectations are there for them to build a winning club. And right now we're talking a lot about the stadium and the excitement that is surrounding people getting their season tickets. It's been very cool to see all the people on social media getting tours of the stadium and uh, selecting their seats and uh, thinking about what the supporter section is going to look like and talking about the food and the game day experience. But that is only going to carry so far because at the end of the day, St. Louis expects a competitive and a winning program. And so it'll be very interesting to see how the expansion draft uh, unrolls and what sort of a team that they end up building because I think that uh, they need the excitement that's surrounding the team to carry through with some success as well on the pitch. Yeah, they, building the team, but building the facility was something that uh, Matthew Rockier was able to. You went on a, one of those tours and you were able to see how beautiful it is. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, if you have a chance to take one of the tours right now of City Park, go ahead and do it. I was able to do one this past weekend, just seeing everything finished. You know, they have they have the big Mick Ultra Club, and you know, I, I asked them they didn't let me go up to see the press box, but I really did want to see the press box. You can kind of <laughs> you can kind of see it over on uh, the opposite side from. Uh, the the main stands the supporter section was really awesome they 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 it's at a it's the seats in the supporter section are at a different gradient than the rest of the stadium it's a it's a steeper gradient it's actually the steepest gradient they allow you to build a stadium in the MLS and they like their seats lock up so they can just stand the entire game mm. and so there's little things like that that I love but also I got a chance about a month and a half ago to go tour the training facility which right. is on the south side of market and honestly the south side of market of this project is the one that's always fascinated me more than just the actual stadium in itself. And the stadium, again, is beautiful, but the training facility, the practice fields, the fact that it's all in one, the fact that they're the only MLS team to have this all this close together, to have the youth locker rooms built the exact same parameters, a little bit smaller, obviously, than the senior team locker room to kind of foster that mindset of moving up in the mm-hmm. ranks from from that U13 or U15 to all the way to the senior team and to see this just state of the art equipment they have I mean they have hyperbaric chambers cryogenic cha- I mean the things they have in that training facility it's all in one they got a big cafeteria if you see some of their videos where they're trying some of this food there's an awesome video out there where they're trying gooey butter cake and who doesn't love gooey oh, butter cake um, <laughs> and you can see they're in their brand new cafeteria and it's all state of the art what they put together on both sides of market including freaking rebuilding market after tearing mm-hmm. it apart mm-hmm. it's an unbelievable endeavor and aside from a couple of little things here and there there's not a single thing that i could have expected them or asked them to do it too differently since this franchise has been announced it's been it's been a uh, a very cool thing to watch something be built from the ground up but I don't know how you guys feel, but from where I sit, I feel very proud watching them build this because it's just been so well done and so creative and so inspired. And I just I think that they've blown our expectations out of the water, whether it's the stadium or the experience or the thought that's been put behind everything. And like I said, I I know that. St. Louis is going to show up and St. Louis is going to support because that's what we do. And there's a lot of excitement that surrounds this team. But I hope that that's able to translate to results as well because those expectations do exist. But, Carrie, when you opened the segment, you mentioned that Moon from 1057 The Point, of course, of the Rizzuto Show and I do have a new soccer podcast out. And I'm going to use this opportunity for a shameless plug (laughs) to to get people (laughs) on board because – we we do take a lot of pride in sports in St. Louis. We're called the BFIB for a reason. You know, the best fans in baseball. And 
in our situation, we have a unique experience where we get to talk to a lot of different sports fans throughout St. Louis. And St. Louis is a soccer city. There's a lot of people who play soccer who are very familiar with the beautiful game that don't need to be caught up on soccer at all. But it, it was really fun for me to get to talk to an entirely different subsect of sports fans who said, hey, Michelle, listen. I am so excited about City. I can't wait to get on board, but I don't know soccer. I, I've never had to follow a soccer team before. I, I don't really know about the game. I have no idea about MLS. And so Moon and I started talking about it, and we said, let's develop a podcast, and we're going to call it Soccer 101 because we're going to strip it down to the basics, and we're going to make it a safe space for St. Louis to learn about soccer. For all the people that are well-versed on soccer, you can come hang out too, but we're going to talk to you about the game as a whole, just soccer, what you can expect and and learn from the game, how City is going to develop their scheme and what sort of style of play that you can expect. We're going to introduce you to the coaches and the sporting director and all of the different players involved in City. And we're going to talk about the MLS as a whole. We're going to talk about rivalries. We're going to look at all the different clubs, look at the history of MLS and really just get everybody up to speed. So by the time that City does kick things off next year, we're all ready to go. And we're going to be the best fans in MLS, just like we're the best fans in baseball and the best fans in hockey. That's Michelle Smallman. Your Clarkson Jewelers time check is 8.56. Coming up, Mike Claiborne will be joining us to talk cards and blues. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman. Randy Carricker is out, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and have our great friend Mike Claiborne joining us. Claves, how you doing this morning? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Michelle, good to hear your voice, and uh, let's get it going. So, Claves, the, the news that Nolan Arenado opted into his uh, option last week, um, what are your thoughts on that? And, and were you surprised that there was no money added on his end and no years added on the uh, Cardinals' end? No, I'm not really surprised. You know, I think Nolan Arenado's in a good space in his life right now where this I don't think it was a money grab because, you know, he's already making as good a money as you can find these days. And I, I think he was just really more interested in the commitment and the direction of the organization. Um, you know, he, he talked about it during the season like, hey, let's, let's move on. We, we want to get into postseason and go deep. And I think he wanted to hear what this team was going to look like as far as what are we going to do about this position? What are we going to do about that? And that's why I think Mo went out to make sure that they were on the same page about direction because the clock is ticking on him and, and Goldschmidt and some other players who, who want to have one more kick at the camp. Now, with that said, Nolan Arnato probably wants to look at himself and say, I have to be better also. I mean, you look at what he's done in postseason – small sample size, but he hasn't been as good as you would hope for him to be as, as compared to what we see in the regular season. So in answer to your question, not surprised uh, because I think winning is more important to him now than the money because he's already making good money as it is. Well, Carrie, or excuse me, uh, Claves, as you mentioned when you were answering Carrie's question, there is a finite window there to win. Goldie and Arenado both locked up. So if you were John Mosellock, what's the first move you would make this offseason to improve the Cardinals? Well, I would have to address the catching situation. Um, it's an important position, and we've obviously been blessed to have Yadier Molina behind the plate for so many years. But when he's not playing, it's a glaring situation that you say to yourself, whoa, we need to be a little bit better at this position. 
And I, I think that that's the first thing that's in, that they have to look at. You know, I also think you have to look at your bullpen and make sure you have a little bit more experience in the bullpen. I think you also have to put yourself in a position of saying, uh, this is a team that needs a little bit more experience as far as closers are concerned. You know, you look at the game today, and everybody's got a couple of closers, all right, in their bullpen. Uh, and I just don't think you can have the same guy coming out every night and expecting him to produce in the manner that you need him to. So, therefore, you need a little bit more experience, guys who have been in that position before, guys who actually know what they need to do when the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings roll around. Hey, Claves, let's switch to hockey a little bit and, and talk about what you're seeing from the Blues. We had um, audio from Craig Berube earlier talking about the effort level and, and maybe the guys not buying in. They have lost five games in a row, being outscored 25-8 to eight in those five games. What are you seeing from them, and what do you think needs to take place for them to, to get on the right track and get to winning some games? Well, I, I don't see enough effort, and I don't see enough emotion uh, the effort is uh, is borderline embarrassing right now. These are some really good players who've decided they want to play for themselves instead of the, the, the uniform. And it's so glaring uh, in how they play. There's no emotion. You know, if I'm getting my ass handed to me like they did last night, I'd be mad at somebody, okay? I, I was, Somebody's got to start a fight, do something, play the body. And I don't know, is it me or has body checking been – uh, is it now illegal in the National Hockey League? For the Blues, it seems to be. Yeah. But I mean, nobody's so playing the body. Nobody's playing the body. Nobody is trying to stir it up. Nobody's trying to show any emotion. And it's just like they're going through the motions. And, you know, I know it's early. I know it's early in the season. But at some, time, at some point, somebody's got to say, you know what, I'm tired. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of being embarrassed in front of my, my fans. I'm tired of being put in a position where I'm supposed to be a really good team and I'm not living up to the expectation. And it's, it's about individual accountability. Do your job. If you do your job, win your shift, then all of a sudden things might go in a different direction. But right now, this is not going well, and I'm not blaming the coaches. This is solely on the players. Uh, you know, Craig Berube didn't get stupid overnight. His coaching staff didn't forget how to coach hockey uh, last week. This is a player issue. And, you know, you go through this from time to time. You pick the sport, and I'll show you a team that goes through it. But I think because it's so glaring that these are the St. Louis Blues who had the reputation of outworking their opponent most nights, that's not happening right now. Not happening at all. So, Claves, uh, to translate, you think that this is not a message that can come from the coaching staff, but rather something that has to come from the players? Oh, yeah, this is a player issue. And, and I don't know how many closed-door player-only meetings you need to have, but something's got to change. And, and maybe, you know, this team doesn't have a guy who can really stir it up, okay? I mean, David Perrine, I, I don't want to get on the thing, well, we really miss David Perrine. Okay, yeah, he was a really good player for the Blues. But you can't hand your whole team on the performance of one player in this situation. But they don't have a guy who's willing to get dirty. They don't have a guy who's willing to get in somebody's face to get the other team off their game. They don't have a guy who can drop the gloves and handle anybody. So, you know, and I know some people say, well, it's not all about physical play. The hell it isn't. Hmm. You, you better figure out a way to make sure you remind. Well, if you're not going to play physical, take the shoulder pads off. Take them off. Don't worry about it. You're not going to hit anybody. You're not going to, you know, and I'm not talking about putting somebody in the fifth row. 
I'm talking about making a guy have to stop and start, denying a guy space on the ice, fighting for pucks in the corner. They're not doing any of that. Last night, I don't know how many battles they lost in the corner with the puck. All I know, the, the L.A. Kings came out of the corners virtually every time with the puck, and the Blues just stood there and watched them go down the ice. It, it, was, it, was, really, it was a really frustrating game last night. Hey, Claves, I was telling Rock and, and Michelle that one of my coaches told me uh, repeat offenders in the real world go to jail. In professional sports, you just lose your job. So, here's the thing, Kerry. They, they are so thin that it's not like they have a guy sitting in the, in the dressing room where there, there was a healthy scratch because he's better. You right. know, and I know they've had some injuries, and, and I get that. You lose two of your top six forwards, that's pretty hard to, to replace. You don't have that guy. But it's not like any of these guys are being challenged for ice time. Yeah, you can sit a fourth-line guy. Okay, all right, big deal. That's not the issue here. This, is, this has been a team effort. There's not one player on that team right now that can honestly say, I'm, I'm playing as well as I can play. There can't be. And if you look at all four lines and all 6D and throw in the goalie, they've all gotten off to a, an unfortunate start right now. And, you know, how you fix that, they can only fix it. And how it start, how it changes, I'm not sure. Because I don't know if you have the right composition of personnel on this team that's going to get you to the next level. I mean, don't take the contracts out of the equation, all right, because I know it's easy to pile on the Cairo and, and Thomas and other guys. Oh, you're making a lot of money now. You should be better. Okay, I get that. But it's beyond that. It's beyond just the contract. It's, it's now the effort and the pride you should take in being a professional athlete in the manner that you, you're in now. And, and we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it consistently. Right. And, you know, Craig, Craig Berube's style is one that if you work, you get rewarded. It's, right. it's really simple. I mean, you, don't, you know, this, this isn't an analytic-driven team. This isn't Mike Yo or some of the other guys we've had who try to X and O us to death. This is just go out and play. Go play hockey. And they're not doing it. They're just taking these big looping circles. They're not really working as hard as they, they need to be, and, and something's got to change. And I just think somebody's got to get mad, you know, because, you know, getting mad, that, that can be contagious. Right. But I don't know who that person's going to be. Yeah, I was telling Michelle I would like to see Bennington slam his stick into the into the goal, uh, just really show some some aggression. Speaking of Bennington, what have you seen from him? And this is my last question. What have you seen from him so far this season? You know, he's been solid. Uh, I mean, there's been some goals that, it, that, that weren't his fault. Uh, you know, I, th- I said at the beginning, if his mechanics are sharp, then he'll be a really good goaltender. If he starts to get sloppy with his mechanics and his confidence starts to wane, then we're going to have a problem. Uh, I think he's been okay. I don't think he's been the, the major source of concern. You know, I know that he gave up goals last night, but if you look at some of them, you say, well, heck, Glenn, Glenn Hall couldn't have stopped that. So it's one of those things where for him – he just got to keep grinding. If he just keeps doing his job, I think we'll be okay. It's the other guys that have to step up. Claves, thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Um, we'll do it soon. And, Kerry, you and I will hook up later this week. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. That Take care. Good. Take care, Michelle. Bye, Claves. That was Mike Claiborne joining us. Uh, given his opinion on the Blues. And, I, and, and Michelle, I, I do agree. Um, just the, the physicality part of it. It seems that other teams are, and, and for whatever reason, we are not. And I think that needs to change and needs to be fixed if we want to win some games. 
I, I love what Clay said at the end there, Carrie, too, about somebody getting mad. You know what I would love to see? I would love it. I would love to see it be someone other than Braden Chen, mm-hmm. who is the usual suspect and who who always has to throw off the gloves and make a statement to spark the team. I would love to see it come from someone else. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll get to see it on Thursday night. Coming up next, we'll have uh, more Blues Talk. We'll have some mic drops. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brandy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on The Opening Drive. It's time for today's big thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. You know, there are some shifts where, the, you know, top-end players are playing some terrific hockey. Then there's other shifts where um, it's more of a freelance game. Um, I thought in the last couple of games we got some pretty good shifts from, uh, let's call it the Achari line. Um, last night the Brown line kind of threw a couple of, uh, you know, had a couple of good plays as well. But nothing's consistent and, and certainly nothing is um, uh, hard to play against, Kerry. That's, that's the biggest thing and maybe the biggest disappointment for all these players is they're not, they're not hard to play against. Get your mic drops in the 101 ESPN app and your text in to 65780. That was Darren Pang just discussing the Blues play right now. They're not hard to play against. They're not They're not playing hard enough. They're not hard to play against. Michelle, that's a, that's a, a, a thought or a comment about a team that you never want to have uh, in regards to or your play on the ice or on the field. They got to play harder. They got to play better. And, and if not, they're going to struggle, you know, continuing going forward. And that's kind of – the opposite of what the Blues have been under Craig Berube, Carey. That right. a Craig Berube team is the definition of a team that's hard to play against. When you, it, it, it seems like forever ago now that the Blues won the cup. But when Craig Berube took over this Blues team that was dealing with, frankly, a lot of the same issues that you're seeing now, a lack of effort, uh, a lack of cohesion, um, just disjointed and not, not sharp in so many ways, when he took over, he transformed the team into a team that was incredibly hard to play against, a team that was unrelenting physically, that would come at, at you line after line, wave after wave. I remember when Tory Krug first came over to the Blues and he discussed what it was like to play against them in the Stanley Cup final. That's the way he described it, is that you just never got a break from them, and that's what made them so difficult to play against. So to look at this Blues team right now and – See that they're not having that consistency, that they're not coming at you physically in the manner in which you're used to seeing from a Blues team, and that they're not hard to play against. It's the opposite of what we've come to expect from a a Chief-led team. we got a mic drop from Mike. Hey, Michelle. Great to hear you back in St. Louis again. Armstrong has soiled the bed. It just keeps getting worse. Barubi and Ott are fantastic coaches. This is a hard, hard game to play, and they've had... Jordan Cairo for three seasons now, and this kid still refuses to play the game the right way. But Armstrong threw $65 million at him. His game is not going to change. He is a private contractor. He's soft, easy to play against, and you know it's got to be frustrating as hell to be his line mate. That's some... uh... Very <laughs> deep thoughts from Mike. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Michelle? Well, that, that's a lot to unpack. And, yeah. and it, first of all, thank you, Mike. It's great to be back in St. Louis <laughs> and to be able to talk about this. Um, I've I've missed being able to 
break down games <laughs> games like this. Carrie, honestly, when, when something great or frustrating happens in St. Louis sports, I, I want to talk about it. Right. But I think that that has been uh, a theme with, with Jordan Cairo. If we're going to mm-hmm. zoom in on him specifically, this this is a player with unbelievable speed and unbelievable skill. There's a lot of raw talent there. Right. But he's still a young player that's developing and that's finding himself and 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 learning to play a team game and to defer to what's expected of him on a team level. And I know that Doug Armstrong is so deft at keeping the window open. And part of that is making sure that there's a young core that can ascend. And I know a lot of us were so disappointed that David Perron did not get brought back because he was such an important component to the Blues' success. But I I think Army was looking at it as, as if, okay, there's this really young and talented player and Jordan mm-hmm. Kyron, of course, Robert Thomas too, who did get locked up. But if if he can, t- can continue his ascent and work on the things that we need him to work on, imagine what type of player he could develop into. Right. Now, there's always a, a risk there because you're hoping that what you are seeing are growing pains and not just permanent trends that is going to be part of a player's game. You hope that uh, not seeing that consistency in what seems like a lack of effort at times is something that a player can work out of, but you never know. I mean, how how many times, Carrie, did we talk about Carlos Martinez? Oh, if he can Mm -hmm. get healthy. Oh, if he Mm -hmm. can get out of his head. He's going to be baby Pedro. You know, he's going to be the next ace for the Cardinals, and it just never panned out for him. And it's a risk that that you take in – investing in a young player and it's still early with Jordan Cairo it's still incredibly early on the season but I understand looking at some of these trends and and wondering how they're going to change and experiencing some concern I think one of the most frustrating thing is when you have a young player that is you know as talented as Cairo is first of all if I were him I wouldn't be listening to anything media related I, I would be locked in solely on my game what I need to do I, it wouldn't matter to me what anyone was saying about me because I, I know what I did to get here the one thing that that young players who are extremely talented sometimes have to learn is the things that you were able to get away with at lower levels that you were able when you are the best player on the ice at all times you are not always able to get away with those things against other NHL players veterans mm-hmm. that have seen everything and and that's one thing that younger players sometimes have a hard time understanding is I have to listen to what my coaches are telling me I have to listen to what the game plan is and play more of a team game because I'm not going to be the best player out here at all times and 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 that's just the that's just the case for 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 professional sports. We all grew up as the best player in our little league teams, in our high schools. When you get to college, sometimes it it, it becomes you're not the best player, but sometimes you still are. It it changes as you go further along in this game and and I think that if he wants to be successful, he's going to have to slow it down, start doing what the team needs him to do in order to have the success that he wants. And that the team needs for them going forward. If not, you're going to have where people are always questioning you. And then then you get to talking about the money and the aspect of it. He got paid. That's part of it. You, mm-hmm. you play professional sports, you get paid. He earned the contract. Now he has to go out and continue or begin to do the things that help the team win, not just help him be successful. Well, and I, I'd also imagine... Carrie, that when making the decision to lock up Jordan Cairo to a long-term contract, discussions about him as a player, as a person, uh, about someone that is is coachable, those are all things that go into making that decision, right? right? And I know that Doug Armstrong was not going to offer him that deal if 
Craig Berube and the staff went to him and said, this is not a, a young player that's malleable. We don't think that we can polish him up and, and right. turn him into something great. So that that's why I'm like, those conversations have had to uh, taken place to where he's been responsive to coaching. And he does seem like he's, he's somebody that's going to work at his craft and, and try to be more of a team player because he, it's it, – He's been there. They have a sample size on him. You know, I just can't imagine that if that was the case with him, that that wouldn't have been expressed to Doug Armstrong and wouldn't have been something that was considered before he was locked up to a long-term deal. We got another mic drop from Lee. Personally, I think they're just one good line brawl away from turning this thing around. <laughs> Shen, Bortuzzo, O'Reilly, Cairo, and Falk all need to get out there and drop the mitts at the opening puck. I know uh, Shen will do it. I know Bortz will do it. I think Falk's got a set of cojones on him that uh, frankly, I don't think a lot of people are realizing how tough he is. And I think Kyrou needs to prove to not only his own team and the Blues Nation, but the rest of the league that he's not just some capital P with a set of hands that have been yet to be found from a missing Air Canada flight from 2006. It's brutal. The team has no angst, no sandpaper, no nothing. They miss guys like Reeves. They miss guys like Ott. You got to have some grit. That, uh, sandpaper. <laughs> Go ahead, Michelle. Oh, yeah. did, I, did I cut you off? No, you know who else they miss is a Pat Maroon. Yeah. They miss a, they miss a guy like Pat Maroon that's going to go to the opposition, look them dead in their soul, and say you guys are are blanked. Yeah, and 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 know that he's got the goods to back it up. Um, and and like I said at the end of last segment with Klaibs, I, I love the suggestion of just dropping the gloves to start out the next game and and try to inject some life into this this club right now, but. I don't want it to have to be Bortz. I don't want it to have to be Braden Shen because that's expected. It's always Braden Shen that has to be the one to send a message and to try to spark something within the team. I think it would be more meaningful if it was a, a Jordan Cairo or somebody that's unexpected. And and Justin Falk is one of those uh, those guys that would do it. I, I agree that I think he's he's very underrated in that aspect of of his toughness and and just in general. I think we underrate how great Justin Falk has been for the Blues um, over the past few seasons, but. I just would like it to be something a little bit unpredictable. So, somebody that we're not expecting to say, you know what? I've had enough. I mm-hmm. have had enough. It ends tonight. We're not going through this again. This is not going to be a six-game losing streak. It ends tonight if I have anything to say about it. Dropping the gloves is all fun and good if you can fight. If not, I suggest you <laughs> don't do that. Um, but even just the, the physical part of the game, you know, really getting after people on the boards and making sure that you are not just being skate past and not allow, and allowing the puck to get in and out of the zone so easily, I just want them to be more physical at the point of attack, not allow people to just do whatever, have it their way like Burger King. Just allow them <laughs> to go and be more physical. That's what I need. Now, if that if that requires you to drop your gloves and fight, then go ahead and take care of it. But if not, hitting someone, you as Clave said, they got on shoulder pads. If you don't want to hit, take the pads off. You know, it, it, I know that, that hockey has tried to remove some of the physical parts of the game, but they still have shoulder pads on. They still have a helmet on for a reason because people do get hit, and people are hitting the blues. So if you're getting hit, you might as well hit back. And when you don't hit back, it's a sign to the other team, this team is not prepared, they're not ready, and they're not going to do anything, and we can do whatever we want to do, and we're going to have success because they're not going to fight back. 
Less Burger King, more Chick-fil-A, because it's always a win when you go to Chick-fil-A, am I right? <laughs> Shout out Wednesdays with Wayno. <laughs> Indeed. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Carrie Davis. So we got Smalls in, so we got to do, you're killing me, Smalls. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman, and it is time for You're Killing Me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. How fun that we get to bring this back. Well, you know who, who's got a beef today, Carrie? You know who uh, has something that's killing him is A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. When we did our four downs, we didn't even talk about the 7-0 Philadelphia Eagles yeah. coming off another victory, 35-13 to over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. But A.J. Brown had a massive game. He had three touchdowns of at least 25 yards. All of them were in the first half. He was, he was the main contributor to that victory for the Eagles. And then he tweets out, have a drug test this morning, huh? LOL. Roger, <laughs> this is not random. So after his monster game helping the Eagles beat the Steelers, A.J. Brown getting quote-unquote randomly drug tested, Carrie. It, it's never random. I, I, I've had <laughs> you, you hear about this and you I've seen it where guys go, you know, absolutely crazy on a Sunday and, and play extremely well. And then all of a sudden it, it's it's the craziest thing in the world. Why, why am I being drug tested today? Hmm, I wonder. So, yeah, it, the randomness is not so random at times in the NFL. If you play or perform well on a Sunday or Monday night, you can expect to be drug tested the next day. How fun. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Well, another team that's having fun is the Seattle Seahawks coming off a 27-13 to victory over the New York Giants. They're sitting at 5-3 and on the season so far, Carrie, which I think is a surprise to a lot of people. Indeed. Um, and Tyler Lockett, wide receiver for the Seahawks, talked about what's contributing to their success so far. Uh, well, I think the biggest thing is um, it's amazing what we can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. You know, my high school coach used to always talk about that, basketball coach. And when you look at this team that we have, I mean, we have a bunch of guys that are willing to buy in. When you look at the rookie class, like, uh, they probably haven't said 500 words since they've been here. Like, they just put their head down and work, like, literally. And they listen. They do whatever you want them to be able to do. And they go out there and they shine each and every day. How, I didn't mean to cut you off, but how? No, because for me that sounded like shots being fired. But what type of shots? How how can he fire these shots this far from Seattle to London? Because that's where <laughs> the shots were going. They were still in London when these shots were being fired. I'm sure at at, at Russell at Russell Wilson. Yes, that's what everyone is deciphering here. So, you know, it seems like kind of a benign comment, right? That for for Lockett to say when everybody's, I'm paraphrasing, but when everyone's pulling the rope the same way and you're having guys buy in, you're going to have success, right? I I mean, that seems like a pretty... Uh, tame comment, but it's the entry point that has everybody talking, Carrie, that he he said, quote, when nobody cares who gets the credit, and yeah. everyone is assuming that that's a dig at Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, who is, you know, the first to step in front of the spotlight and, and has at times maybe made it about him. So what do you think about that? Do you think it's a subtle dig at Russell Wilson? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you look <laughs> at what this team, I mean, just over the last couple of years, we all thought that Russell Wilson was being held back. And now it seems as though he was doing the holding back. He is the one. You got Geno Smith in there playing at an all-pro, uh, uh, in, in, in all-star level. 
and Russell Wilson is stinking it up in mm-hmm. in the in Denver. You know, wherever they're playing in London, wherever they're playing that weekend, he actually played pretty well in the second half. But the first half, he is missing people that are wide open. So I do believe that that entire organization, the t- the players were tired of it for whatever reason. Obviously, he 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 wore out his welcome in Seattle, and they feel like they're in a much better place without him there and having Geno Smith as their as their quarterback, which sounds crazy to me. It does sound crazy. Okay, a, a couple tentacles here. So Tyler Lockett says that we're reading too much into it. He tweeted and said, people need to stop reaching. I've said this quote like five to ten times since I've been in the league. Stop looking for a story and just let us enjoy our team. So he's suggesting it is not a dig at Russell Wilson. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, whatever you say. Okay, cool. Now, uh, my my other point that I want to discuss here, Carrie, is as a Super Bowl champion, a former professional athlete in the NFL, mm-hmm. what would your response to Russell Wilson be? If you're on a flight and, and your quarterback is doing high knees in the aisles and he, he's got a catchphrase after every press conference and he's saying, let's ride, and he, he's just... <laughs> He, he he's more of a char- a character of himself sometimes than an actual person. Uh, what would you what would your response to that be? So my favorite TV show is Martin, and there's a a, a character on Martin called Angry Man, and all Angry Man <laughs> says is "Man, sit your ass down." And so that's what I would have told: "Man, sit your ass down. Sit down. Why are you doing high knees on the plane, bro? Sit down." I don't mind you walking because it's required. You know, it's, it's recommended that long, long flights you get up and walk so you don't get blood clots, so your legs can get to moving, all of those things. That's important. But sit your ass down, man. I don't want you doing high knees by me while I'm leaning over in the aisle because I'm asleep and you accidentally knee me in the shoulder. Now I'm awake. It's just too <laughs> much. I, I, I think I, I think he does a lot of things for the camera, which if you are a teammate, it can be extremely annoying. Like, you know, praying I'm fine with those things are, are things that you're going to do regardless. I don't have any issue with that. But when you are doing things that are trying to garner attention, trying to get people look at me, look at me, you are making millions of dollars, sir. You you are the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Your wife is Sierra. Yes, you don't congratulations, have to have by people the way. looking at you. <laughs> For all of that attention, it just it just rings. It just feels really weird to me that he that he's the one that said, "Oh, I was up doing treatment for 24 hours a day." No, you weren't. He was doing high knees. On the, he was doing high knees on the plane. Yes. Like that, yeah, that, that, you, that kind you, of stuff. You, you were not. When he injured his hand, a couple. I was I was up doing treatment for for 20 hours. So you slept for four hours. That, he, that, well, that, he, you, he's actually been quoted as saying he he says don't listen to me, kids. He, but he tries to get as little sleep as possible because yeah. he thinks he can be more productive, tired with hours awake then, than he can then, getting then, sleep, then, which is insane. Rock, Rock, that makes a lot of sense. Is mm-hmm. why he's making the decisions that he he's got no <laughs> he's lacking. He talks about how the he amount of sleep that, that a, a human being needs to make proper decisions. Again, well, did you see on, on the Athletic Premium Plus article that was about him that he says he only has to go to the bathroom like once a week? That's a lie. That is a lie. That, <laughs> that, that is man. That, that is that man is telling falsehoods that is unhealthy. on a nationally on a national scene. I don't Can believe I read the that. quote because I think it's just ridiculous. <laughs> he said, "Quote: It's theoretically possible to design a diet and fitness routine so efficient that your body no longer creates waste. My goal is to reduce my need to BM down to once a week. Right now, I'm in a loading phase where I only allow oh. myself to make <laughs> on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's really improved my energy levels and sex drive. Plus, the internal waste provides more cushioning against." violent impacts that I see on Sundays. 
If you are a doctor oh, or, or have information on this, please text in to 65780 and let us know if this is a real thing or it is, if it is a healthy thing because I don't feel like it is. This is the guy, though, who, also, who, who was also trying to support the water, who was also saying that he'd come up with a water company that could solve concussions faster and things like that. Yeah. Listen. Two, okay, two times. I'll give. I'll give him this. Two times is medically possible. He's not lying about that. But I don't know how healthy is it, it is. But I, I, I was. I was. I was going to call. I was just straight up call Cap on on one time a week. I do not know how how healthy that is. He's got some weird opinions though. The no sleep. The everything you just mentioned there. The concussion water. The the doing the exercises on the air. Mike, you bought Sierra's Masters. You are going to be with her for the rest of your life. Just enjoy it, my guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things where he's constantly the headline and it's oftentimes not necessarily football related. And I just wonder if you're a teammate of his, how that resonates. There was a I don't know if you saw this where uh, Richard Sherman and and Marshawn Lynch Mm -hmm. were talking about, well, we can't call him directly. You got to get in touch with his guy. As a teammate, if you have a guy, if you are a teammate in the locker room, and this is this is personal experience, if you are a teammate and your teammates can't get a hold of you or they or you don't speak to them, you are not really a team. You are not really a good teammate. You are uh, I don't know what you are. I don't know I don't know what you would be considered, but you are not somebody that people want to definitely not want to play with or play for or work hard to make sure that you are successful because you are, you know, a jerk. And not somebody that I want to be around, whether it be in the locker room or in 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 life at all, at any point. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, a guy who has been a, a pretty good teammate seemingly is Tom Brady, and he's been struggling uh, in his personal life during this year and his professional life this year, and things not going well for the Bucks. But he was on his Let's Go podcast with with Jim Gray, and obviously he's a guy who's been in the headlines as well for things that are not football related because he and his wife of 13 years, uh, supermodel Giselle Bundchen, have officially filed for divorce, and Tom Brady finally addressed what was happening in his personal life. Here's what he had to say on the Let's Go podcast about how his personal life has spilled into his professional life. There's a lot of professionals in life that go through things that they deal with at work and they deal with at home. And obviously the good news is things that it's a very amicable situation. And I'm really focused on two things, taking care of my family and certainly my children. Secondly, doing the best job I can to win football games. So that's what professionals do. You focus at work when it's time to work. And then when you come home, you focus on the priorities that are at home. All you can do is the best you could do. That's what I'll just continue to do as long as I'm working and as long as I'm being a dad. You can tell that that has been weighing on him. When he mm-hmm. came back from training camp, for training camp, he looked extremely thin. We we had no idea at that time that he was going through all of this because this is not something that just you know happened over the last couple of weeks. The divorce happened last week, but this is something that I'm sure has been taking place you know for months, and he's been dealing with it. He has a point, you know, many people go through life issues that they still have to go to work and still have to perform, you know, whether you're a professional football player, a doctor, a lawyer, you know, whatever your profession is, you still have to show up every day and be the best version of yourself. Doesn't mean that it's easy because I'm sure he's dealing with a lot trying to figure out how to go about his life now that is so vastly different from what it's been for the last 13 years. Um, never wish divorce on anyone. Wouldn't wish that on Tom Brady, even though he is Tom Brady. Uh <laughs> You know, but it, it, it definitely it speaks to what he's dealing with and what he's what he's going through and, and maybe why the team is struggling and why he's struggling the way that he, the way that he is right now. Yeah, it, it is a reminder for all of us that these are 
people too. These athletes are, are human beings too that are dealing with a lot of things. And obviously Tom Brady is the GOAT. And so we're going to talk about him. And obviously he's married to a very front-facing megastar. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the, the issues in their personal life. But I think it is a reminder that there are a lot of people who aren't as famous as Tom Brady and who don't have a famous spouse that go through things like that all the time that could be impacting their performance on the field. And it is really hard to compartmentalize both and try not to bring what's happening in your personal life into your professional life. But uh, I just... I think about him and a couple years ago, he's he's riding high, he's, he's winning the Super Bowl, he's on the boat, tossing the Lombardi trophy, having <laughs> avocado tequila or whatever, partying, and, and now he's in this situation where he's dealing with all of this stuff in his personal life and his professional life isn't panning out the way that he anticipated. And, you know, the, we've had all of the conversations about him hanging it up, and, and I just wonder, at, at the end of the day, if it'll be worth it for him to, to have come back after he won. It, it will, I guess time will tell. That's right. Michelle Smallman. I'm Carrie Davis. Your Clarkson Jewelers time check is 945. Coming up, we have Over Under, where we can see how badly I beat Rockin' Randy this week. That's next on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Davis joined by Michelle Smallman and we have over under rock. How well did I do this weekend? Let's run through some of our scores. Let's run through who won this week. Carrie Davis, you are the winner in over under for this week on the opening drive. Congratulations. Clap, clap, (laughs) clap. Good for you. The loser, though, more importantly, I think we have to talk about is Randy Carriker. Carrie Davis went seven and three this week. I went six and four. Randy Carriker went four and six this week across our picks. Let's go really quickly through them, give you a refresher of what we picked, who went where, and how the game went out. Ohio State and Penn State, that was a big one. It was a 60 and a half. It ended up going 75. Carrie, you were the only one who took the over on that game. We all rolled in over 55 and a half in the Big 12 game. Unfortunately, Kansas State's the only team that scored in that game against Oklahoma State, so it was just 48, so that hit under. No one claimed that. Kentucky at Tennessee, kind of another score of only one team scoring and us coming up short. It was a 61.5. It came at just 50 because Kentucky barely showed up. Carey got a win there with the under, but unfortunately, Tennessee did score a lot of points despite it being under. Hendon Hooker threw three touchdown passes, and so me and Randy cleaned one out with the over on Hendon Hooker's two-and-a-half touchdown passes. Carry, I guess he thought they were going to be running the ball a lot. Nah. He took the no, he took the under on that when he loses there. And then in our local games, we all had the under for across the board in Mizzou, South Carolina, and Illinois, Nebraska. Mizzou was a 33 total on a 45 and a half, while Illinois, Nebraska came out as a 35 total with the Illinois win on a 50 and a half over under. So through the college games, Randy was three and three, Carrie was four and two, and I was three and three as well. But the pro game is where the men separate themselves. <laughs> (laughs) from the boys. (laughs) Chicago and Dallas, that one cleared its over-under with just the Cowboys score. It was a 42.5. It was a 78 total. The 49ers scored, the Cowboys scored 49 points on their own. Me and Kerry took the over there. Randy took the under, so a good start for us in the NFL. 43.5 was the over-under in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. They just got over with a total of 48 on a 35-13 game. Unfortunately, all of us had the under in the Battle of Pennsylvania, so no points there. Najee 
Harris to score a touchdown was plus 200. Randy Carricker was like, he's got to score one this week. I'm sorry, Randy. No, Actually, Chase Claypool threw a touchdown pass for the only Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown in the game. And so nose on that bet for me and Kerry uh, cleared us. We have two out of the three so far. And then Arizona and Minnesota, a high-scoring game. It was supposed to be just under 49, 48.5 according to Vegas. It ended up hitting 60. We all took the overs there, so that's three points for all of us. And it ends up as the NFL record. Randy, 1-3. Carey, 3-1. Myself, 3-1, which again takes us to our total scores. Carey, 7-3. Me, 6-4. And, and Randy Carricker bringing up the rear, 4-6. Who has convenient... Listen, Randy's only on last <laughs> In the two weeks where he wasn't here, oh. to then take you know take any trash talking from us on getting it's last. Amazing he's gotten second works, or first huh? every other week. These are the times he, he decides to pull up in last place. I it's can't a, believe it's it. amazing how that works. I want to go back to this Philadelphia Pittsburgh game. Go for it and and talk about one Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe you. Took it earlier in the show when you said he should be fired. Yeah, yeah, he's not performing well. He, you know, we talk about all of the 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 players when they don't perform well, but when coaches don't perform well, it's same same thing goes for them. You you have to do your job, and if they aren't doing their job, they're not playing well. They're not running the ball well. Obviously, you got a rookie quarterback, so you would think. One would think that you might lean heavily on your first round draft pick from a few years ago in Najee Harris. They have not. They don't. I don't know why they don't choose to, but. At some point, Coach Tomlin's going to have to make a decision with this offense and figure out what they're doing wrong and what they need to do to make it better because it's really bad right now. I mean, yeah, it's 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 rough right now in in Pittsburgh, but you've always, you know, you've always stuck behind your convictions that the organization and the consistency of a Mike Tomlin will be able to get it figured out. Are you are you starting to to doubt or maybe are you wondering if this is the one potentially Achilles heel? I am not doubting Mike T at any at any point. I, I firmly believe that Mike T is the the head coach that he has always been and will continue to be. He's a great head coach, great man. Offensively, they got to figure something out because they are not scoring enough points and they aren't finding enough ways to get people open to to even catch passes or or have big runs or anything. Offensively, it's just a struggle completely. So for me, it's a tough tough thing to watch. But you got the win in the over-under, so you get a little extra bragging rights. Yeah, and, but that, in, the, in, yeah. in the break, if, you, if people want to hear what was happening in the break, Carrie and, and Michelle were, were just unnecessarily just, you know, saying truthful things about Mizzou. Well, yeah, which, what did we say? Uh, that they've never won a national championship, and I, I think there was some intimation that they never will. I didn't no. like that. Well, I didn't like that. that. So, no, 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 no. Please correct it, Michelle. No, I, see, <laughs> I said intimation. I didn't say you said that. What I said did, there was, what, I said there was, I said there was I said. intimation. <laughs> I was talking about how Auburn has fired yet another coach, and I was saying that with a program like Auburn, where you have all of the, the money in the world, and they will throw money at a candidate, it just makes me think about other programs in the SEC, like a Mizzou, who will not spend as much money as an Auburn, and how difficult it is for a program like that to not only identify the correct coach, pay them enough, and then retain them. If Auburn can't do it, it's just uh, it's difficult for Mizzou. I was just thinking about uh, the different circumstances of the programs, and then Carrie mentioned, Carrie, the floor is yours, <laughs> that the expectations All were different, right? I said was the expectations in Auburn are to win national championships. Correct. And seeing that Mizzou has never won a national championship, that cannot be the expectation year in and year out. There That's was all that, I mentioned. There was that time where if they just, you know, 
stayed in their gaps and don't let Trey Mason go for 500 yards or whatever. Yeah, that was a rough one. Was. Yeah, it was a rough yeah. one. Trey Mason got, got drafted off of that game seems, to the St. Louis Rams. Seems like a good topic to, to delve into further is all I'm saying. Well, I, I mean, listen, Rock, I wasn't alive the last time the, the Illini won a national championship, so we're not <laughs> we're not, uh, you know, I'm not po- pointing fingers at anybody. We we are both, but we are playing well now. So, listen, and, yeah. and it's the, about what you've done to me lately. It's, it's all about ILL. I and I right now, and tomorrow we're going to get into it a little bit more. Uh, head coach of the Illini program, Brett Bielema, will be joining us at 745 tomorrow. I know Michelle is so excited to ask him and, and, and you know get, get some info about how they're going to keep this run going. Indeed. Up next, it's a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax on ESPN. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.